Talk Brunch, served hot. Talk Brunch Live. Rick Dyer here, your host as always, aka Captain Brunch. Being joined alongside with co host as always, Destiny Soblow Frazier. Ah, rest in peace, Breach. Hey, you heard about that? That's crazy. I feel like every day we wake up and there's another one. One yeah. moment I hear he has cancer, next, done. How would that even be a thing, right? It's just it's it's again, it was like stage four, so. Yeah. Yeah, we got a lot coming up tonight, folks. So, we'll be talking a little bit more in detail about that. Um, as well as a little bit of the Royal Rumble aftermath. Things going on overall in the wrestling universe that we did not speak of last night during our Royal Rumble post show. As well as some other news as far as departures and COVID and things of that nature. But thank you for everyone who has been joining us across all of our various platforms as always. Everyone who's on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and all of our various other podcatcher apps, iHeartRadio. Podcast Addict. Of course, you guys are on the live feed over on Twitch and Facebook and TalkBrunch.com. Man, good weekend, right? Yeah, pretty good weekend. Definitely entertaining stuff. Not as much to complain about as it usually would be around this time of year, but definitely a lot of news to cover. I always like to start things off light, though, so we're going to take a look at the action figures. There's an upcoming uh, set of action figures, apparently for AEW. Yeah, I think I've seen one of them so far. Yeah, I don't collect, I've said it before in here, I don't particularly collect anything myself, but, you know, I guess maybe that's my age showing there, but I think the less stuff I have, the better, less clutter. I know for collectors yeah. out there, you enjoy having your uh, your things here. Let's have a look what we got on the screen. Hit me up, Sammy Guevara. <laughs> that's great. Good old Sammy. That's interesting. <laughs> I love they took the detail I have to hit me up, Yeah, right. Interesting. Cool. What other ones do we got here? We have, uh, who's this? Kenny Omega doing the Bullet Club sign. The joints thing with these that always bother me. Can I, let me see if I can, can I bring this larger here. I can, right? Yeah, the like joints. Really articulated joints. Yeah, bring these on the screen like that so we can really take a look. So that's what the joints are going to look like. I, I love how they got the pants. Like, they actually got the design on the on the tights. Oh, they were now playing when they came to detail with this stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that a lot. They don't. They only did a few. It's a limited amount. They didn't do like everyone. Um, let me put the first one back since we didn't have it on the large screen at first. Yeah, so as the Sammy Guevara on large screen. Uh, who else do we got here? Let's bring the next guy up. Cody. The Cody face. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. It looks disturbingly it? real. Yeah, there's something going oh on with the God. Cody. What happened to your face, Cody? The Thronebreaker oh. outfit. Anyone that wants to see can watch the replay video if you're watching this. I know majority of audiences on iHeart Radio and iTunes, but if you want to catch this, see the visuals, always click into here. Matt Hardy and his actual over gimmick. <laughs> it's the Matt Hardy everyone wants, but no one seems to get. Who else do we got here? I didn't look at these ahead of time. That is, uh, what's his name? That's uh, Santana. Santana, right. Which means that the last one can only be 
It'd be funny if it was MJF, right? Right. Uh, Ortiz. <laughs> <laughs> they look good. I think with the ones with the attire look better because you see less of the joints, honestly, because the joints kind of uh, make it weird. Yeah, especially like the stomach one on Santana's is kind of like, like, yeah, like I'm not really feeling oh, the I mean, But I mean, then again, a lot of those action figures, not even necessarily just the wrestling ones, that stomach joint always looks kind of weird. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like no matter what way they do it, it always just looks kind of like that's not how my stomach looks. But. Yeah, well, if you're interested in those, be sure to look into it. Like I said, I haven't really collected stuff like that very often, not in a long, long time. Thank you for the host, Clyde. Also, we're still slowly turning this stuff on as we got settled in. But yeah, that uh, that is pretty cool. Very interesting look at those action figures. Oh, yeah. So, it's being reported that Vince McMahon has missed last week's Raw, as well as the Royal Rumble. Yeah, but he did have a very good reason to. Yeah, he absolutely did. Because Chip, uh, you know what? You just made the list. Oh, no. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Thank you. Umar Ahmad. Thank you for, the, for the joining the Facebook list. Chip, you know what? You oh, just God. made the list. Oh, oh no. Uh, here we go. <laughs> oh, oh. Leave off. Um, that is actually one of my coworkers. Thank oh, you. Yeah? Mike, Welcome, Lee. Yeah. Thanks, for, thanks for hanging out, Lee. Chip, you know what? You That's just made the awesome. list. Oh, no. Oh, here we go. Thank you for oh, oh, God. It's happening again. It's because everything's still booting up as we're doing the intro, so it's catching up with uh, when we first... Chip, you know what? Yeah. You just made the list! Yeah. Oh, no! Yeah. Oh, here we go. Thank you for the follow as well, sir. Happened to me during freaking Cyberpunk. Yeah, this scared the living hell out of me. Chip, you know what? Shabir. You just made the list! You, oh, no! Oh, here we go. Which I will be playing more of that throughout this week for anyone that does, only comes here on Mondays. I try it on a nightly basis. I only take like one night off usually. I try Chip, you know what? Different stuff. You just made the list. Oh, no. Oh, here we go. Thank you for the, uh, the follow as well. Welcome to Facebook. They've been uh, different talks lately in regards to people doing watch-alongs and things of that nature. I noticed that that's become like the new thing to do watch-alongs, like where you just turn on the show and I guess... While you're the pay per views on, you're talking to the people about it, and I know I'm gonna yeah, get I've heat seen, for I've this. I've seen people do that before. I know I'm gonna get heat for this, but I've really been thinking about it, and I kind of feel like I want to respect, even if it's a product I don't like, I want to respect the product a little bit more than that. I humbly appreciate anyone who takes even a minute out of their day to listen to any of my opinions or thoughts or perspective on the news, let alone for me to be pretentious enough. Like, who the fuck am I? That you like go enjoy your pay per view, man. Order food and be with your family, and uh, enjoy the enjoy the show the way it's meant to be. Like I just it feels weird to me, you know. Who the fuck am I that you would need me in your head while you're watching a product? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't make any sense. It's one thing for us to all gather afterwards and talk. It's like this is the virtual version of us hanging out at a bar together. But it's just to me strange, and I know it's for some people. It's not for me, but I thought about it, and it was it's just weird, like uh. Yeah, I'm going to just be in your head, what, narrating the, the pay-per-view that we're all watching live? For what? I'm not in this for hits, first of all, so I'm not going to get anything for that. But it just doesn't feel comfortable for the people that are experiencing the show, the people who are fans of the podcast, or, or even myself, quite frankly. Again, just my opinion. I just brought it up because I noticed that it's been something that's been catching on. Uh, I have no nothing against people that like it or uh, that even want to do it. I just started to, I had to think for a while about what I don't like about it. 
And I guess it's that. It's the same reason why a lot of the time when we have the feed up during a pay-per-view, I don't really have audio going through when the show's on. Like once 8 p.m. hits, we don't even have an encore of uh, our own show. It's just the visual in the chat with dead air. Even though someone who's new to the community might come in and have no idea what's going on. I'm not going to have a rerun of our podcast of last week running. Well, there's a pay-per-view on. No one should be listening to that. They should be watching the show if they have access to it. If they want to listen to this, then this on demand. So I kind of feel like it's just there's a bit of, of that's when you're sort of oversaturating. There's a bit of over abuse of uh, the airwaves is when you hear people, I'm going to just turn the radio on. And you're going to listen to me talk shit for the entire three hours. It's, it's not my taste. <laughs> that being said, uh, there are people I would refresh Clyde because I'm sure everyone else can actually keep my own feed up to make sure that it runs good for you guys. You know, I do notice and I'm not going to mention names or anything, but they know who they are. Like we're a smaller by, by choice, smaller production podcast in regards to we're a tighter knit community. But that being said, and I, I don't really bring it up very often unless it becomes obvious, but a lot of people that are, would be considered bigger production and bigger podcasters that are in the same field, uh, definitely essentially just steal from us. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. I mean, I guess inspiration is really how anyone evolves. But I'm just starting to see it to like a point where uh, things that we've been doing forever, uh, people literally, I guess, lurk here, pick up and play on uh, other shows. I mean, that's great and everything. It's humbling. I'm not even salty about it as far as that goes. I've just noticed it a lot because let's not forget, like all of you, I'm a content consumer myself. So myself and the missus are browsing. We just can't help but notice the coincidental timing uh, and perspective of a lot of things or just choice of uh platform or methods methodology if you will but that's one venture that they can go into on their own uh as far as those larger productions do it's like the uh the thing i have a friend that's doing i'm cool with that like it's something he's trying where it's like he's doing uh he's trying a whole bunch of stuff he does streaming he does whatever there's something he's dabbling wants to see if he likes it sure whatever but i know i know a lot of the larger ones kind of just saw the cookie jar they're committing to it because they see smaller people doing certain things then they grab it I noticed a lot of smaller podcasters, not myself included, started doing these watch-alongs. And then the bigger ones that are like already known that are, I'm not going to mention big names because you know the big name. They started doing the same shit. And I just noticed a lot of the smaller guys come up with stuff and the big ones yank it. Just an observation. Just like I do everything else. But uh, yeah, thank you for the uh, support in regards to uh, everyone here and all the stuff going on. It has been really fun and interesting doing this entire weekend, you know. What about you? Yeah, you burn out on the stuff? Oh, yeah. I've been enjoying everything. Really. I've never really had complaints. Yeah. It's been interesting. It's been fun. Yeah. So Vince missing the Royal Rumble because a McMahon has passed away. That being his brother, Rod McMahon, 77 years old. We do not know cause of death, but uh, he passed away. Wow. Hmm. He passed away January 20th. Uh, he was from Long Island, New York, but he was living in Willis, Texas. When he died, he was in the Air Force. Um, interesting. Wow. So I, that's why Vince has been missing. It's not his health. I guess he had to deal with the funeral and the loss of someone. I feel like I heard of his brother mentioned once because the name Rod McMahon doesn't sound uh, strange. Yeah, I've, I've heard that name before. I, I recognize the name. I just hadn't seen him. Unless it was Mr. Belding that had a brother named Rod. Was it Mr. Belding I'm thinking of? Huh? I'm thinking of Mr. Belding. I, I am. Oh, shit. Are you thinking of Mr. Belding? Oh, shit. I'm thinking of Mr. Yeah, that's the Rod, because I remember how he looks, too. He had, like, long hair. He was, like, the cool guy. Wrong Rod. But, yeah, wow, Vince has a Rod, too. All right. Oh, my God. No, I'm not going to name the show Vince has a Rod. I know someone's going to ask no. that. <laughs> no, no. I will probably refuse to write that out. 
Yeah, but thoughts and prayers and oh, yeah. positive energy goes out to everyone involved. He lived a long life, uh, you know. Yeah, 77. That was t- yeah, nowadays, that's a miracle. A life and a half. Jesus Christ. Yeah, nowadays, that is something else. All right, well, while we're talking about Vince, we're hearing that one of the reasons why uh, people are having a hard time being able to get in contact with Vince is because of the fact that Bruce Pritchard is being put out there as sort of a filter. Like, basically, he blocks anyone from Vince McMahon's attention, except anyone that Vince doesn't let him, which I guess would be like, according to them, Triple H, Stephanie, Kevin Dunn, Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, Daniel Bryan, John Cena. Anyone else who wants to get an idea that Vince has to go through Pritchard first. So, this is the reason why I guess most ideas don't really get in. I was about to say, that explains so much. Yeah, I know you're not a fan of him. Hey, man, again, when we had supporters of him on this show and even on this panel, not mentioning names, but you always heard me. I was either negative or I would at least be respectful and tight-lipped because I wasn't a fan of his podcast. Or when it, I remember it was a big deal. Everybody was so happy when his podcast first went from being the podcast it was to the WWE Network was going to have a run with it. And when I saw that, that he was heading in that direction, I bit my tongue on him. Go back and listen. <laughs> I and, when, and I would always, my coverage of it was always very, very sparse. I would never stay on Pritchard stuff long. I swear to you, go back and listen anytime we had to cover it. And I was not positive about the network thing. I had no interest in it. I didn't cover the episodes. And quite frankly, it's probably one of the only things that I didn't watch ever. Oh, yeah. I can't tell you what's ever been said on any episode ever. Never listened to it. But you know what? At the same time, I'm kind of glad that this younger generation got their Pritchard experience. You know, I knew what was where this was going. I kind of felt like he was going to wind up being in the spot. As soon as we were talking about how it used to be when he was in that role, back when he was in that role, before we even knew he was going to get it again. So, yeah, there you go. This is the Pritchard Raw. How much fun are you having now? Are you not entertained? Not in the least. Yeah, you don't like your filter? No. No, me neither, man. It was so much better. I would have Bischoff would have done better, man. I don't care what anybody oh says. God. He gets a lot of bets. Like Bischoff would have done way better for them during this situation than Pritchard did. I don't know how they wound up not doing that correctly. I thought the reason probably why Bischoff probably because Bischoff isn't a yes man. It didn't sound like he was on anything, man. Though sounds almost like they 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 just didn't click. You know, something didn't work there. But that would have saved their asses, I think. Oh, they have been set. Yeah, I think they would have. But speaking of Bischoff, I actually, because I'm a big fan, I listen to a lot of his stuff. I was listening to him recently talking about why, uh, about going live. And I was thinking about that because it's something even we, everything, everyone has to learn that the hard way. And it's a weird part of reality that uh, we have to accept. But people nowadays want live stuff. They don't care what time it is. They don't care how early or late it is. They value your content more when it's live. No one wants to see you play a game stream a game and then upload it afterwards and then link people to it for some reason even if you link them the the fact that it was live it gets over more that goes with wwe too people with wrestling in general they take more value in the show when they know that the product was live that they're experiencing as opposed to when it was taped uh there's not really an explanation to it to be honest there's nothing that i could tell you i mean everyone will give you a different take on it It, but it's always for me just been something about experience it in real time i guess like yeah, like even if you enjoy something, like for example, like if there's a good UFC coming on and uh, sure, you could wait until tomorrow morning. It'll probably even just be somewhere on Twitter. There'll be a feed where you could just go watch the clips of what you want. But there's just something there's more value. And even if you manage to just purchase the thing the following day to replay, it just doesn't feel the same. You know what I mean? There's more value like when you're there as the thing is going on. 
you know, and there's no way to replace that shit. Sometimes that's the make or break of something being good or bad. It's the reason why NXT's bombing in the UK because they have a, they get the new episode Wednesday that we get, you know, where we get it Thursday if you're on the network. They get it the following Wednesday. Yeah. So someone else, I saw a tweet and this one guy, I don't, I wish I had his tweet, but I just saw scrolling past. He made a good point about how he doesn't even bother to watch NXT anymore. And the reason is because since they don't get it on their network until the following Wednesday, the only way that it's even relevant to him at that point is if he just avoided everything for an entire week. He can't go by the time it comes around. He's already been on Twitter all week. He scrolled through his YouTube and his Facebook. He look on his Instagram. There's people holding up belts and shit. You know, I know what he means. It's impossible. You literally would have to dodge it. Like for me, the only reason why it works out is because most of the time, if I'm not on here, uh, I'm not really consuming anything involving wrestling. So sometimes on Monday, it's the first time I see it. And it's white noise to me if I scroll past. I'm not really directly looking at it. But imagine having to do that for like a week, not just a few days. Then by the time you do it, you got to do it all over again. Because when you finish watching it, you're a week behind again. <laughs> exactly. So even the week that you get before the takeover, like that ruins the takeover. The whole the whole idea is just, I think, very poorly done, you know. But anyway, I digress. Eric Bischoff did talk about the value of live and what was going on. I liked his perspective and his, his wording. I want you guys to hear a little bit of it. I'm going to link you guys to it as well. One second here. Just get, now we have a lot of buttons. I didn't realize how many we had until I looked on here. I was like, oh, shit. This clip is brought to you by SaveWithConrad.com. Save with Conrad, guys. Let's talk about the opening of SmackDown. We've got the new uh, theme song from ACDC. That's a big deal. Uh, Are You Ready? Off their 1990 album, The Razor's Edge. It's a pretty cool deal to have such a major band like that as your okay, let's official show. On this. Spare no expense. Right. They think bigger than big just because it's too freaking perfect. Like just once in a while, I like to see, look, as crude as this sounds. And I didn't say it to everybody, but I would pull the appropriate person aside and say, look, Flea's fucking live is more exciting than watching tape. I got to go back a little bit. That was funny when he said that. Internally at WCW. It was like, oh, my God. Oh, too much work. Oh, my God. How we get? It was new. It was different. Yeah, let's go because he talk he talks about how polished I, I want you guys I'm gonna link you to the whole thing so you can, but he talks about how polished that the WWE product week to week is so polished that uh it almost doesn't feel live. Spare no expense. Right. They think bigger than big. Nothing is too over the top. Nothing is impossible. I mean, I really love the way Vince, Bruce, Kevin Dunn approach television. Because it's it's never quite big enough. It's never quite elaborate enough, especially for things like opens and graphics and all the things that go into the basic fundamentals of a show. They don't look at them as basic fundamentals of the show. Every split second of, of what WWE and Fox produces is meant to be as professional, as big, and as, as, as exciting as it can be. In my opinion, sometimes they go too far. I've talked about this many times. I think in some respects, the WWE product, both small or SmackDown and Raw, is overproduced. I, I firmly believe that. Probably more when it comes to writing, 
than actual physical production, but even the physical production of the show sometimes feels so flawless and so perfect that to me, it loses the sense of being live Mm -hmm. just because it's too freaking perfect. Like just once in a while, I like to see like, you know, a lighting grid, you know, fail or a flub. Yeah. Something happened to remind the audience of, Oh, this is live shit. We're watching here. Because live is the, the the value in live cannot be understated. Anything live is almost always better than anything taped. And I, I used to <laughs> joke about it when I was pounding my drum and wanting to do live nitro instead of tape because I I, I didn't get a lot of support for that internally at WCW. It was like, oh my God, oh, too much work. Oh my God, how we get it was new, it was different. You know, no, we granted we did pay per views, but those were exhausting for, for the skeleton crew that we had to do them with. So then when I came to the table, now we're going to do you know, every Monday night show live, we're going to travel every week. It was like, oh, wait a minute, then once a month we're going to have a pay per view and a nitro back to back. Oh my God. So I got a lot of pushback in the beginning, and I used to tell people that, look, as crude as this sounds. And I didn't say it to everybody, but I would pull the appropriate person aside and say, look, fleas fucking live is more exciting than watching tape wrestling. So we're going to go live because it's better live and it'll work. Stop thinking about what you used to do and think about new ways of doing it. And eventually everybody kind of got on board and realized that it was true. And I think in WWE's case, and even with our flaws, it, it added to it, you know, it, it made, it reminded the audience that you're live. And when you, when I watch WWE program, it is so flawless. I would swear that that show spent six weeks in post-production before we even saw it. And, and I think as a result of that, it loses a little bit of its urgency and its risk and its danger and that's some of the elements that make life so much fun to watch. What are your thoughts on that? The man is not wrong. I mean, sometimes the best part of life is you don't know if one day we're going to be doing the show and I just <laughs> see, imagine if that should have been real. You would have never known that should happen on fucking Raw SmackDown. No, they clean up behind themselves almost in real time, right? <laughs> like, like sometimes the danger of something going wrong is what makes live so authentic. Not for them. Like, when you really think about it, like a prime example of the last UFC event that happened, I think you probably heard about it, but in some places, uh, streaming went down. Imagine yeah. if fucking Dana had the, the the UFC promo just in case shit went down button ready to go. Like, now, technical issues, I, I think that's a shame. I also heard that this week in AEW, anyone on the TNT feed, they lost the first match. Uh, and then Tony Khan put it up on YouTube and let everyone know, you know, sorry about that. Here's the match free on YouTube. Enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah. So, it's unfortunate when it happens, definitely. But but yeah, there's just something about a live interaction. You know, people have told me and commented to me privately. They said they like it live better because of the anything can happen sort of vibe that it gives off. So it's always better to yeah. do things live streams. Feed, it encourages anything. you not to steer away at any point because you can't just hit pause. Right. Which, uh. Wow, that is a, did you mean to do it? Speaking of uh, not being able to hit pause, uh, apparently that's one of the features in the WWE's move to Peacock that's going to be missing from the network. Uh, Wait, you were not the, gonna, uh, 
You are not going to be able that to. That was not on purpose, people. I thought that you read the sheets and was just leading me no. in. There, but I was, I, I was thinking, I was wondering how I was going to put that one on there. I had it in there on the just in case on the program. I was like, just in case somehow we can get here, it's there. But here it is. It's a surprise. Ladies and gentlemen, the benefit of live. That yeah. shit was not planned. Yeah. So Peacock, apparently the, the programming that's on there, when it's aired live there's no buttons for you to hit it's not like here where you have like a rewind button or you have a start from beginning if you get there late or any of that uh there also isn't like uh so if you catch an event i'm there the the assumption and i'm I'm guessing it's being reported as fact but i'm saying things can change just in my opinion the assumption is that since it's on the peacock service if you catch a pay-per-view you're just watching it you got to be there at the right time that being said i think in the years i've had the network maybe once or twice i've needed to rewind or hadn't been there on time majority i am watching things in time we just finished talking about the importance of live so unfortunately even though i might rattle some people's feathers that are already paying them that they're literally minusing you a, a feature so that you could watch slater um for a lot of people like myself that don't really ever rewind live functions that doesn't matter I think the question that's a little bit more concerning to me that should have been analyzed when this story was was put up was uh, on Peacock, when something airs live, when it's finished, how long is the delay before it's physically available on demand? Like if the pay-per-view ends, can you just press it right there and click you're in? Or is there like a four or five hour delay? Because then not having rewind becomes a problem. Because even New Japan World, you can just take the little slider on the bottom of the video the little ball and just slide it doesn't really tell you on demand or anything but if you get to a pay-per-view that slider you visibly see on the bottom that it's not in the beginning of the bar and you can literally just yank it to the beginning and watch so i think you need uh peacock is free clyde but not for the wwe network you get a there's a there's a very basic version of peacock that gives you very minimal programming and then there's peacock uh, i guess premium where you get their real programming along with the WWE network. And that's four ninety nine. Well actually the network by itself on Peacock is four ninety nine. And then the premium Peacock with the WWE network, that's nine ninety nine. That's the way it's gonna be once the WWE network makes its move to Peacock. But you will not have that rewind or that pause feature at that point. That's in a few months. Alright, well. Yeah, I thought you were segueing me. That's why I grabbed it. I didn't even have that story as priority. <laughs> that was great. I was like, all right, well, if he's segueing me, he must really be invested in the Peacock stuff. Not in the least. Oh, man. That was all quick Man, we could have kept that time. Time was more important than even money. <laughs> I, <laughs> whatever. All right. I was skeptical about bringing this one up. We're going to talk a little bit about Brody Lee. I read this. Uh, oh, yeah. You heard about this, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because of the fact that there were so many questions about his passing and what happened and whether or not it had to do with uh, his um, him having COVID, his wife uh, was on the unrestricted, AW Unrestricted podcast, and uh, she gave a timeline of everything that happened. And there's a Reddit user, his name is Myber3, and he put a transcript together of the day-to-day. Uh, I was just going to read through it real quick just to give you guys just an idea of what was going on here. But this was her basically saying Monday on the day Brody Lee recording the AEW Unrestricted podcast, he was on a Peloton bike, but he was unable to finish his workout, citing a shortness of breath. Concerned about the possibility of COVID-19, Amanda Huber, his wife, took his temperature and checked his senses of taste and smell. But it all seemed natural. Tuesday, he tried to work out again with the same result. 
Wednesday, he drove to Jacksonville for dynamite tapings. He tested negative for COVID-19, but due to his symptoms, Doc Sampson did not feel confident allowing him inside their bubble. So he drove back home. As a precaution, Brody quarantined in his bedroom away from Amanda and the kids. Thursday, he developed a high fever Thursday. Amanda kept him hydrated, but he was not eating. Additionally, he got a nasal swab test. The results came back Sunday and were negative. Friday, went to urgent care and was diagnosed with bronchitis and allergies. Brody said that he felt like he had pneumonia. Uh, he was prescribed an oral antibiotic, an oral steroid, and an allergy medication. Sunday, was showing visible signs of distress. They went back to the hospital. He was leaning on Amanda as they were walking as he was having trouble. Amanda told him to sit down. They should get a wheelchair, but he refused. They took him back to triage. They checked his temperature, but at the time, his fever had gone away. They checked his oxygen multiple times with multiple machines as they didn't believe the results. His oxygen level was 52. Normal normal is 100, and asthma attack is 85. He was rushed back to be put on oxygen. The doctor suspected COVID-19, and he was tested again the third time so far. Again, the results were negative. Wednesday, he was taken to the ICU so that they could keep a better eye on him. AEW Executive Vice President Chris Harrington reached out to them offering their help. This was at least in part due to Amanda wanting to keep things private. They did not want this to end up in the dirt sheets. Okay, uh, fast forward to Halloween. The doctor told her that they needed to transfer Brody to another hospital outside of Tampa. They opted for the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville since she knew they had some connections through AEW in Jacksonville. The reasoning for the transfer was described as a matter of life or death. He needed to go on on ECMO, ECMO machine, as well as possibly need a lung transplant. He was still conscious at this point, but they told the man that she shouldn't see him now because she was clearly emotional and they worried it would upset him and make things worse. She was told to go back to home and pack a bag and come back. Uh, Later that day, uh, Amanda did not want to lie to Brody Jr. and tell him that everything would be okay, but she instead tried to focus on the positive, that his dad was going to the best hospital in Florida that they would try to take good care of him. She took pictures of her boys in the costume so that she could show them Brody when she got to the hospital. Uh, Just as she was about to pack her bag to go to the hospital, she received the call that he crashed and was um, intubated. When she arrived at the hospital room, she said that um, it was horrifying to look at. The room was trashed and he had a tube down his throat. She had to sit in the conference room as they awaited the flight transfer. Around 1 a.m., they boarded the plane and flew to Jacksonville. First day in Jacksonville, Brody, Brody was placed on the ECMO machine and being prepared for surgery. Amanda had to stay in a hotel in Jacksonville that AEW insisted on covering the cost of. November 9th, Amanda signed paperwork to start the lung transplant process for Brody. Uh, Amanda came to talk to AEW. They talked for how they wanted to handle this. And she told them that they wanted to keep all of this private. So she offered to speak to the locker room personally to hope to hopefully quote unquote guilt them into not letting this information leak out. Both Amanda and Aubrey mentioned routinely checking places like Reddit to see if information had leaked. November 14th, Amanda's birthday. The nurses had made a banner and surprised Amanda with a birthday cake that ends uh, November. At the end of November, Brody starts showing signs of getting better. They perform a tracheotomy so that Brody could be removed from the ventilator. He was able to wake up and non-verbally communicate with Amanda, smiling and mouthing words. Started physical therapy, things were looking up. Instead of the ventilator, he was put on oxygen. Unfortunately, he suffered a panic attack, which is when things took a turn for the worse. Then in December, she knew there were going to be setbacks, but in December, it seemed to continually get worse and worse. They wanted to revisit the idea of a lung transplant. When they got in the hospital, Brody got an infection in his lungs. She found out about this sometime December 13th. Her and Brody's wedding anniversary. December 16th was his birthday. 
Chris Jericho flew Brody Jr. to Jacksonville on a private plane to attend that episode of Dynamite, which was a big deal for him, as he was um, always a big wrestling fan. Uh, the night uh, that Amanda was expecting to receive a phone call on the decision as to whether or not Brody received a lung transplant, she didn't hear anything at all. Then December 24th on Christmas Eve, she'd gone back home to spend a few days with her kids. She received a phone call from the doctor saying they needed to begin end-of-life care. At this point, uh, his kidneys were failing, his heart. Wow, that sucks. And uh, she refused to come back to Jacksonville because she was determined to at least spend a few Christmas with the kids. 25th, some family had flown in and they tried to have a normal Christmas day despite the obvious difficulties. Uh, that night, along with her brother-in-law or sister-in-law, they flew back to Jacksonville. Uh, the kids stayed with her mother-in-law and drove up the next day. Uh, she called Cody Rhodes and Biggie to see if they would be willing to come to the hospital and be there to tell Brody Jr. Uh, about his father's uh, passing. Yeah, this is uh, this this really sucks. This was know. hard to read. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, I'm uh, yeah, that I'm, I'm at a loss for words. It's just how difficult uh, that is. So yeah, uh, Cody, Biggie, Sean Spears, Peyton Royce, Tyler Breeze, uh, Margaret, uh, and and M- Megan from AW's um, PR legal team all came to the hospital to say goodbye to Brody. Um, and the cause of death, which we finally get to hear, is idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Idiopathic being a term used for when the disease is not known. Pulmonary fibrosis is scarring of the lungs. And uh, she was still waiting for an autopsy report, which would have additional information. There was no funeral service because of uh, COVID-19. And uh, she said that the AEW celebration of life was the funeral. So, wow. Yeah, she said it was perfect. Yeah, I mean, it was the closest to a funeral they could have had. So, it was good to know that not only... The locker room, the people who go to the Daisy's Place Arena, but all those fans got to basically be a part of that. Yeah. Well, we'll get some answers on the autopsy and stuff. I just think it's really tragic. Yeah. It, it happened so fast when you really, really yeah. need the timeline. You know, it is unbelievable. Got to always keep up with your health nowadays because there's shit out there that just takes you out. It is rough. Exactly. Unfreaking believable, this world, man. 20, 2020 was 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 one rough year. I gotta say that's gonna go down in the history books. Oh yeah, that year was tough. If you made it out of there with even a quarter of your sanity, props to you. Holy shit! Yeah, for for shizzle. Well, I think that's probably the most morbid. So we still have to talk about some of the COVID news and things like that. But before we do, does anybody else need a minute? I sure as fuck do. Right. chat with the guys then be sure to like us on facebook follow us on twitter and subscribe to us on youtube talkbrunch.com served hot COVID-19 news continues because we didn't talk about it at the Royal Rumble because this person was still added as an entrant even though the news had been put out there but uh, apparently Mia Yim test positive she said this morning around 10.30am 
and this was January 30th. I debunked the rumor stating I was positive with COVID. For that, I must make a statement. I've been getting tested every week for several months now. All have been negative. I was negative last week. I got tested this afternoon less than an hour ago and it came back positive. Please respect my privacy. Please stay safe and wash your hands. Wear a mask. See you all soon. And uh, so that's the reason why she was not there, which is probably why Shotzi Blackheart or one of the other girls got that spot. Yeah, just another uh, freaking crazy situation where we had to make change of plans because of that stuff. That seems to be like the the story of the of things nowadays. You gotta have Plan B ready for everybody at this point. Yeah, it seems to be the only thing that works. Good lord. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's other people that, according to Fightful Select, are just missing. Which you know, again, they don't always announce it, but there's been no sign of Robert Roode, Steve Cutler, Wesley Blake, Jay Uso. They weren't backstage, and they didn't even say what the hell. Why wasn't he there? He's part of the storyline with Roman Reigns, you know. Yeah. I've been hearing with Jay, in fact, I heard not too long ago. Um, it might have been because I guess he was possibly late to the last two uh, SmackDowns or something. Really? I don't know. I and and something being like a, like a mini punishment for it or something. That's the only thing I've really heard so far. But yeah, What's up, Joe? No By the way, what's, what's up, Joe? Just want to say sorry to cut you off there. But what's up, Joe, Michelle right. on Facebook? Continue. But yeah, that's um, that's kind of the only thing I've been hearing right now, honestly. It's just yeah. like maybe that was part of uh, the reasoning. Gotcha. Well, there's other people. There's still a lot of people that are missing that we don't really understand why. You know, again, just something to notate here. I mean, we're not out of the woods with this thing yet. I'm sure it's not the last time we're going to be reporting this. You know? Not at all. Yeah. Alex Shelley, finally. Let's bring him up on the screen. I've been lazy with our Tron today because everything's been so damn morbid. Let's see here. Sorry, guys. There we go. Okay, so Alex Shelley. Uh, he finally revealed why he wasn't able to show up for that hard-to-kill pay-per-view. Uh, he put up this picture and he said, Most of the week, most days of the week, I look like this. I read theories about why I wasn't at Impact Wrestling for Hard to Kill. They range from injury to illness, to getting arrested, to harming my family members and attempting to cover it up. I'm a physical therapy clinician. Physio, physio is my livelihood and career wrestling is my livelihood and passion project at my company due to the volume of sick and injured patients we are in care of we modify our COVID-19 mandates as needed as numbers went up so did restrictiveness to circumvent the topic I could not be at hard to kill due to my career I respect the decisions made by our company surgeons and doctors I look to them for advice and guidance I'm unable to travel and wrestle until I'm vaccinated I took every caution I could before but I don't feel right maintaining this duality unless I take every possible safety measure. When the vaccine becomes available, that required extra security on, on my end and my company's end for our patients. I honestly don't want to get the vaccine so soon, but I want to wrestle very badly. And while I help, and while I help people in therapy, so there's no option. Impact Wrestling was supportive and understanding. And as someone who doesn't have nor want to con, want to contact at this point, my hands were tied. Thanks for your support, everyone. Hmm. What do you think of that? Because for me, that's kind of interesting. I wouldn't expect that from him, would you? Last time on Talk Brunch, though. Right. All right. So, yeah, Alex Shelley. So that was his reasoning for doing that. Like you said before, uh, he didn't have confidence. It sounds to me like he didn't have confidence in the situation. Like, according to his researchers and the people that he works with, it's too dangerous out there. And he's following them. He is the Jeff Goldblum of his own universe. Remember when, when Jeff <laughs> Goldblum? He's always the guy who knows that this shit's coming for you. 
That seems to be the impression that I get with this guy. You know, and it makes me more nervous that Alex Shelley says, you know, it turns out that when I'm not here, I am a scientist. I'm exaggerating, but that's what he kind of says, right? Like, I am a scientist. Mm -hmm. And in my scientist-esque nature, it's too dangerous. Nature finds a way. That's what he did. He gave us the nature finds a way speech. I mean, is it nature finds a way? Hell no. You know, I mean, it's there's too much going on in the world, honestly, when it comes to this kind of stuff. We're never going to be out of the woods. I kind of feel like we're going to have... I used to wonder if we were going to go from one WrestleMania to the other this way. It seems like we're going to have multiple WrestleManias this way, you know? Like, maybe not just the one coming up, but maybe even the following April. Are we going to stop talking about this? Probably never. No, no. There will never be another day. Yeah. Yeah, that in itself is stressful. Oh, man. Don't know what to say, dude. <sighs> At this point, it's hard to even find something to say that hadn't already been said. Jesus. Yeah, we're losing people. Well, at least from the people that we're hearing, though, knock on wood, most of them seem to have contracted and, and just be okay, the ones that have caught it. Yeah. Like, you don't hear, like, a lot of cases, like, example, McIntyre, he was one of the ones that was lucky enough to be asymptomatic. Just he had it, but didn't really feel it. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people are in that situation, you know, where they have it, but they don't really have any of the symptoms or any of the issues with it. And if they do, they're like they're not like aggressive. It's just like being like regularly sick. Mm-hmm. So that's Alex Shelley's situation in this. Let me see where we are up to here. Is that everything that he put out? Yep, that's his whole statement. So I think that covers all of the, uh, thankfully, all of the news involving pandemic stuff and things of that nature for this week. Oh, also thank gonna, Jesus. Yeah, I'm also going to share with you guys in the chat. I have to bot share it in one chat room since I got went through how to get him back in. I have to bot share in one chat room the link for the Bischoff stuff. And it's on social media for those of you that want it. There you go. All right. One of our bigger topics this night is, uh, and it seems to keep coming up, is this old old school versus new school wrestler situation that's been happening. Where you, It started yeah. with Undertaker. It's actually gone back further than that. But this all started last week with Undertaker basically saying that, uh, you know, we I don't want to go back into it. Go listen to last week's episode. But that men are no longer men in wrestling. And that back in his day, they used to have guns and shit in their lockers. And you'd hang out like the Japanese guys with Yakuza. And the other guys work for Gotti. And he didn't say all that. But he made, he made it sound like it was fucking... I like he had to throw Gotti in there. It, it was like a crime drama. You know, it was written by Martin Scorsese. Or directed by him, at least. You know, it was one of those things. I don't know. But this was, uh, this apparently rung a lot of bells. And then that has been this back and forth, I noticed, amongst wrestlers and amongst people in the community where some people are saying, oh, back in my day. I don't want anything to ever become too back in my day, but we're going that way. That being said, Devon recently, uh, was on a podcast. Uh, what is the name of this podcast? It was Table Talk. So he's in this podcast and he talks a little bit about his opinion of wrestlers today. So I'm going to get that up on the screen for you guys. And then we'll talk about what your opinion is afterwards. I'll link you to the whole thing as well. Listen, you got to understand nowadays in this business, the young guys that are brought up in this business, they're disrespectful. They're rude. And, you know, I, I listen, Generation X, okay, which is my generation, you know, the attitude era and all of that. Yes, we had attitudes. We had problems, but there was one thing I will say about my generation is that we respect those who came before us. And that's one of the problems that we have with a lot of young talent. And Darren, along with a lot of host of other guys, and I'm just going to name them, Drew McIntyre, uh, Rusev, um, and even Sheamus, you know, they always had respect 
for the older talent that came in and always wanted to pick out brains. And it, it's great. Be, it was great being in a locker room with those guys. It really was. What do you think of him saying this song? Talent doesn't have a respect thing anymore. I've never really seen. I mean, I've seen cases of it, but not on like a wide scale like they're making it seem. He damn sure can't be talking about the AEW locker room. They're the nicest people right. in the fucking world, right? They're so sweet and adorable and huggable and cuddleable and lovable. You're stupid. You know what I mean? yeah. I'm serious, man. AEW, they're the nicest people in the entire world. They're open-minded. They're the people who finger paint with the children. <laughs> you know, so it's funny when you hear somebody like that being like, oh, the young guys. It's like, you have such nice guys. You know, they're out here playing video games, which you hate. They don't have guns. You know, isn't that the whole thing that we were worried about, them having guns? Well, they do, but they VR guns now. Yeah, right? They're, gun, they're first-person shooter everybody, guns. Everybody's playing super hot. <laughs> they're Borderlands guns. It's just not what it used to be. Uh, maybe he means certain cases as far as locker room etiquette. Maybe he's had some bad experience. I don't know if that uh, entire thing really goes. But Goldberg, apparently, I don't know why the dirt sheets are spinning it as Goldberg uh, supports The Undertaker's views. Goldberg has similar views to The Undertaker. There's no surprise there. Whether or not you consider that credible because it's Goldberg, that's completely subjective up to you as a fan. Uh, I'm going to let you guys hear some of the stuff that Goldberg has said recently, and then we will talk about uh, what you think of that. When you hear the comments about me coming back and doing one or two matches a year, and how you know people are like, oh, he doesn't deserve it. He never paid his dues, and he was never on the road. And this, these people are on the road. You know, doing their, hey, man, people forget very quickly, you know, what all of us did back in the day to earn the spot that we're in now. And again, I'm one of the luckiest guys in the world. But yes, I I, I believe comparatively the business is soft, but the business is in 2021. So things have to change and things have to be different. Mega superstars that are bigger than life. It's hard in this generation, seemingly, to build those people. Um there are a couple people who have have made it beyond um, reliant upon the public to do that, and they forced their way up, and they've earned their shot. And Drew McIntyre is one of them. I think mainly when I was talking to Drew in the beginning, I was speaking to the locker room, I was speaking to everybody, and he's the leader, right? So you got to go to the leader, and you got to make sure that, that everything is taken care of in the right way. I mean, like I said, times are, are quite different than they were back in the day. But people are soft. People are people take take offense to things way too quickly. I mean, you know, get a little thicker skin, boys and girls. That's all I can say. And uh, you know, when legends came in, when I was in the business in the beginning, I was greatly appreciative of the eyes that they brought to our product. And one day, those young kids are going to be in a position just like me. <laughs> and I hope that karma comes back to bite them in the ass. That's all I can say. Because at fifty-four years old, I don't know one of them that could be doing what I'm doing. Everybody can see it and pass judgment on it correctly. It's you because you're of the younger generation. You have the old school heart and you see what's going on. And it's disheartening. It really is because what it does is it breaks up the camaraderie ship of the guys and girls in the backstage. It really does. There's not much trust left. Um, you, you can't confide in people without them, you know, trying to get likes and putting it on their social media. It's just, it's a ridiculous day. It really is. Everybody's got to pay their dues. They pay it in a different way. Um, I came from the NFL where guys, every 18 seconds, you know, I got two, two, 350 pound guys trying to rip my face off. If you think that I hadn't paid dues, you got to be crazy. So 
Um, it was a little different when I came in because I was a professional athlete, but yet I stepped back and I did whatever I could to make sure that, that I solidified my place correctly as opposed to just stepping in and saying, here I am. Um, you know, I, there were a lot of badass dudes in that locker room. And when I came in, I mean, the heels and the baby faces never were seen in public together. Things have changed exponentially. I mean, and, and I can't say it's for the better. So we got Devon saying younger guys are disrespectful. Undertaker saying they don't carry knives and guns like they used to. Goldberg saying that things have changed exponentially, not necessarily for the better. If it makes you feel any better for those who don't like Goldberg, he he tweeted out that he almost bit his tongue off while he was spearing uh, McIntyre on Raw last week. I'm not fucking surprised. Yeah, Bill, nobody's doing it like you did. It's just funny how he's, he's such a danger to himself, right? right. He's like the wily e. Coyote of wrestling. <laughs> Motherfuckers always shopping at Acme. <laughs> it's like holy shit who's dude. next Acme's next writing it down I, it, it's funny the one wrestler that would that would uh benefit from having his own mobile game because couldn't you see Goldberg in an endless runner holy shit <laughs> like a temple run but with Goldberg <laughs> oh my god oh. <laughs> you just have to dodge lockers you have to dodge lockers, doors, and ring posts. <laughs> Holy so shit! Avoid doors. Yo, if you're shit. out, if, yo, whoever could just make random mobile bait. Mobile and you just have his music. It just loops his music. And then, then you, do you want to continue it, for it, ten more coins? It's the best part. We get far enough, it switches to the WWE shitty remix we gave him. Oh no, I hated that. I hated that. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> anyway, we got a program tonight. We got that damn late delay here. Um Mark Henry tweeted out in regards to these opinions and he said many Valve, they are tough now as ever. Maybe not as wild and impulsive. They just become more refined. I found that there were a lot of locker room tough guys back in the day because of the groups that they ran with. The WWE is a corporate industry. The guys today fit that mold. So that's Mark Henry's view on things. Makes sense. I agree with him, too. It doesn't mean that they're not tough. They're men in different ways. Yeah, you don't have to be run up and punch a bull in the face tough. You could just be just tough. You could be tough enough. Wow. Mick Foley tweeted. And he said, today's professional wrestlers are every bit as tough as the wrestlers of my era were. Just my opinion. So, Mick Foley. But, that's two on the board. That pretty much is just like, hey, there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And of course, Matt Riddle was not going to miss an opportunity to be part of this. Yeah, because old Bill had to open his mouth. <sighs> so let's talk about some thick and thin skin, shall we? Uh, bro. Really? Really? Okay. You have very, very, very thin skin. It's like sheepskin. Thin. It's ultra thin. Extra sensitive. Thin. That's how thin your skin is. Let's be real. I'm not, I'm not gonna go down the chart of reasons why, but you know why your skin is thin, bro. We all know it. And you know what? You really need to stop crying about it. It's it's embarrassing, all right? Stop being a baby. And good luck tomorrow, bro. You'll need it. 
You're a stallion, Drew. <laughs> you know, the sad part is he does kind of have a point because let somebody say that. Because what was it? Goldberg was like talking shit about fans and like complained about him getting title shots and being back and stuff. And it's like, yeah, like, what are you I doing? Mean, the funny thing about it is it's not like it's not justified because you didn't do shit for them. Yeah, it's just weird. Like Goldberg never had a real wrestling career. He was never a real wrestler. He was just a guy who wrestled for a couple of minutes and then walked away. And and and, and I mean, the funny thing about it is I don't know if Riddle was being as specific as I was thinking, but we've had proven cases of Goldberg having thin skin because Madison Square Garden sure enough brought the bitch out of him. Yeah, that's for damn sure. That motherfuckers booed you out of the building. It wasn't like you went back for an injury. It wasn't like Brock where he was going to do UFC. No, you got booed and you said, nah, I think I'm good. Yeah. Well, Roman Reigns recently spoke to Sports Illustrated Media podcast, which I will link you guys to the entire thing. But in regards to the Undertaker thing, uh, the head of the table had this to say. The Undertaker, I guess, went on the Joe Rogan podcast and I guess Goldberg somewhere else. They've come out to say that today's WWE superstars are soft. So I wanted to give you a chance to respond to that claim. We do the same job. We, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like the bumps got any, any, uh, worse or any, 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 uh, better. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's funny because, uh, like, uh, you hear the old timers, they'll be like, and you know, and I, I don't consider Undertaker and Goldberg old timers, you know, that my father, their generation, you know, the golden era, the seventies, you know, um, that, that's a, that's a different generation, I would think. And, but you always hear them like, uh, a drop kick was a finish back in my time. So that means you didn't quite, you know, drop kick. That's like the second move you see in a wrestling match nowadays. So um, we're doing a lot more. And, you know, sometimes I think we're a lot more physical. Um, and, and because the audience has seen so much more, we have to do a little more in order to pique their interest, in order to show them a little something different. So, you know, what we call a false finish, you know, a finish that people, uh, you know, a pin that people believe are going to, will be the final, you know, move of the match. We go through those like it's, you know, um, Steamboat Savage. Like that, you'll see that on a SmackDown. You'll see, you know, 15 false finishes on a SmackDown. So it's strange because, like, um, I don't know. I, I think he was just – I really feel like he misspoke um, because Mark is a really good guy. He's very knowledgeable. He, he obviously has a ton of respect for the business. Um, Goldberg is just Goldberg. Who cares? Um, I'm glad you but, said it. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's got to. Um, <laughs> but you know, he's talking about guns and knives in a locker room. Like, come on, Mike. I mean, you you guys traveled just like we did. Did you really get that stuff through the uh, secure? You know, TSA just letting everything happen back then. Um, and yeah, you know, I don't agree with it. I'm not a you know I I choose to play video games sometimes on my own time. I don't do it at work. My, you know, and as you can see, and, and some of my characters based around it, uh, I've always been one that networked and politicked and, and tried to, you know, um, communicate and and work while I'm at work. Some guys choose to stay in the locker room. And for guys like the New Day, who are just uberly talented, who who just have it. And when it comes time to put it on screen, they just bang, they go. They can get away with that. But some, I, I hope the younger guys that are in the locker room you know, don't fall into that because we're not all the same. 
I have to put my whole mind into work as I come to work on a Friday. Um, all the way, you know, sometimes my wife has to shut it off, like stop, like just be at home, be present because I can't turn it off sometimes. Yeah. And, and I think to be at the highest level of anything, you have to be borderline obsessive. So I think, you know, the, you know, yeah, I don't always think there's room for video games in the locker room, but you know, at a, you know, when we're running our regular touring system and, and it's, it's a live event and there's nowhere to go, you done got kicked out of the hotel because checkout couldn't, you couldn't get the late checkout. You already hit the gym. You already picked up your food and you're sitting, you know, in the locker room. I'd rather my guys, you know, play video games than be breaking into a bag of some sort. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a different time and I think we're smarter and I think you're going to see that all, you know, from you know the financial side of it how we how we save our money how how we prepare for the future um you know having afterlife after the business when we can't fall down anymore all the way to our our actual health so um i think it was just like you know like like a retired guy trying to sound gangster being a retired guy i've lived to where like you had to play video games right next to the guy you know in the same room yeah. now you can link up and you can play against you know millions of people it's it's a different landscape it's a different you know technology but to me what also was funny about the statement is like tough guys right tough guys that carry knives and guns are you really a tough guy if you like, you know what i mean like right. maybe maybe i'm more old school than the old school but from from the way i was taught in my family and and you know, I don't know what they did on the road. I wasn't in, on the road, but I know my family members, we didn't carry handguns. This is all we're taught to use right here. That's old school to me. Right. So I don't know. You know, I, I like that. I, I, he has a lot yeah. of credibility to himself and uh, extremely well put. You know, that was the best uh, credibility for the current locker room. That to me truly makes Roman Reigns a locker room leader. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> You know, like to me, that's extra special when we see stuff like that going on. And he's I right. like that he hit literally every single point, too. He didn't just focus on one thing. He went like everything from the end ring to the backstage. Absolutely. Uh, and and he's right. You know, like the guns and things like that doesn't really determine that. It was a strange, strange metaphor. And right. Six Flays, right. The facts show how full of shit the old guys are. And it's no disrespect to them. Uh, they talk about it a little bit there as well i had to like sort of clip for time but they talk about how it's weird how that becomes the the, the standard and we talked about on here how like video games is put as the stereotype of your masculinity which is strange it's a weird dichotomy especially when we have this world where like being over masculine is portrayed as toxic yet if it's spun as video games being emasculating then it's positive that you should get away from them which is stupid and also why is why does that make the standard Right. That's a that's a really really dangerous line of a stereotype that the uh public mainstream public is uh, portraying and they better be careful because you have the wrong group of people that don't want to think that they're pussies that have something to prove and they might do something stupid and then that overall is bad for everyone cuz it gives gamers a bad name. You never accuse a group or stereotype of people of being a certain way. Or portrayed like negatively like that and it's just weird that association there's nothing wrong with gaming and it's funny to even bring that up during a pandemic what were people right, doing when in reality that's one of the things keeping a lot of people kind of sane. the only thing people are doing and here's my thing i have no 
disrespect for whatever people choose to do with their spare time. I'm a firm believer in free will. So long as you're not hurting others, live your life however you want. I don't care what your income is or what you choose to do. If you're not hurting others, have a blast, man. I only draw the line when you hurt others. Drunk driving, shooting people, hurting people. That's the kind of shit that, that uh, to me, is like a bigger concern. So when it comes to stuff like this, you just have to... Uh, you know, when it comes to like the pandemic and everything else that we do, we just have to live your best fucking life. It's not really that that hard, you know, but uh, not at all. I think that a lot of people, they had to deal with things differently back then from the way that they're dealing with things now, you know, in a lot of ways. Like, how would they have survived during this? What if they what if they've taken the precautions that were necessary for something like this? You know? Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. But uh, yeah, that's just weird with the with when you look at the way the gaming, you know, just getting back to the gaming thing for a minute, because like I just find it funny that it's something that they're stuck on. The only thing that people could really be doing during a pandemic is fucking or gaming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what else were they doing? You know, like what were you doing? This is why so many people are pregnant. There's going to be twice right. as many wrestlers. So uh, I don't know, man. I think the whole thing is just a big fucking mess. And uh, yeah, it's it, a shame it's that they're, they're, now we're doing real news, new blood versus all. Uh, what was the hell was that shitty angle that you guys had to experience? Was it new blood versus oh god? Yeah, that millionaire's bullshit. But oh. yeah, I don't. I, so what? They were gaming. It's like again, I'm someone who, as a firm believer of free will, if you consume content, have a good time. But I can't do it myself. Meaning, I'm not someone who can sit and watch a whole Netflix series anymore. Or just watch a whole bunch of shit that I have nothing to do with. I rather create content or just do something else, you know, or, or just game or something that involves more of my motor functions, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That's where I was going with this earlier. But, uh, that being said, if you decide that you're someone who just wants to sit and do nothing, that's all you can do. So is that what you're saying is the better? I guess the point I'm making is so what should they be doing? Exactly. I guess that's where this whole long-winded point was going, is what should, because if there's a pandemic and gaming is considered emasculating, all you could do besides that is fuck, essentially. Like, what should they be doing? What were you doing? The people who are shitting on the gamers, like, what have you been doing all this time? Just watching Netflix? And if you're not watching Netflix, what are you doing? Just at the gym 24-7? And if not, you're just banging your wife into oblivion? Like, there's only but so much of one activity. Are you just sitting at the library? I want to hear from people who shit on gamers, just out of curiosity, when they need to fill big blocks of time, especially on their mobile phones and shit. I want to know what they're doing. And I'm not saying that there's not other stuff to do, but I'm a very well-versed, well-rounded person. And if you tell me that you're reading fantasy novels, then we can talk fantasy novels. You know, if you tell me that you do art and that you draw, you know, I have a lot of friends that do art and that draw and, and involved in that kind of business. If you tell me that you're a writer and you spend all of your spare time writing, whatever it is. But I just get the impression a lot of the people that are shitting on gaming don't seem to have that other vice or thing or outlet in opposition. It seems like it's just because gaming is the popular thing. That's the reason why that shit is targeted. Because I don't really know what any of these people who have this opinion do. You never hear about what they do? What do you do? Do we write it down? I don't think we should write it down. Nah. He was playing WWE Battlegrounds. That's what he was doing with his daughter, remember? Yeah. No. But you see, that's we the point I'm making. Like, like, we're in a world now where uh, it's even more accepted because it's mobile. People consider themselves gamers. Now you have, like, the, the, the people put their nose up. You're not a gamer just because you play Candy Crush on your phone. The point is gaming is so accessible. This is weird to point that out. It's just kind of embedded into our culture, you know? That doesn't determine whether or not you're tough. You don't think somebody who can play a video game can also kick your ass? Are you kidding me? That's the, mo- that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard. Tell that shit to Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson that he can't kick your fucking ass because he plays video games. You know what happened to you? 
That motherfucker will whoop your ass on stream. You'd be completely fucked. There'd be nothing you could do, even if you trained forever. It's just it's crazy. Amazing. There's so many gamers out there that are that are like people who who you wouldn't fuck with on the street. You know. <sighs> anyway. I think that the guys, the last thing they need to talk about is the work rate. They can't keep up with the WWE work rate, especially SmackDown. I know right now it's the cool thing to shit on uh, WWE. And this is where in the talk brunch community back since all the way back six years ago when we started this, this is where we usually the opinions start to diverge as they usually do between me and my actual community because it becomes the cool thing to shit on the WWE product. Even when the product goes back to working, people habitually still shit on it. Like right now, the product's working. It's actually working really good. I like the roster. Yeah. I like the matches. The Royal Rumble's probably the best pay-per-view I've seen in a really long time. Really long but time. I don't even know if just last year. Pre-pandemic. But there's people, and I've even seen cases of it now, where they're bitching because Edge won. They're bitching because this person showed up, bitching because that person showed up. And, it's and like, it wasn't what's just... Wrong with it? And it wasn't just because of the Royal Rumble. That's the reason on last night's uh, post show, if you didn't listen to it, go back. We started with covering SmackDown because SmackDown was really good. And we were talking here about how SmackDown is really good. The wrestling on SmackDown is really good. The old guys can't do the wrestling on SmackDown, man. That show is book solid. It's just that a lot of people, it's become the stigma not to like WWE. And I always, this always happens because I don't, uh, even though it's to my dismay, like I, I don't just kind of go along with what's just because it's cool that this thing is everyone hates on this one thing if they have like a moment of 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 positivity i'd bring it up like wait a minute this turn this one thing was good i used to do that let's not forget at one point on here on this very show i was pro tna back when people thought it was funny to make fun of them i was like but you have aj styles i was the one to hear promoting these fucking guys <laughs> when you right. really think about it and it was like a joke at the time so I'm saying this not about WWE. The product is good. Not Raw all the time, but SmackDown, as usual, is really good. They have the best roster. No roster can fuck with them. The NXT roster completely obliterates the AEW roster. And even if it didn't, AEW, they're, they're competing against a developmental brand and everybody's celebrating about that. So what? You know, there, there has to be, like, at some point, we have to come back down to reality. And right now, WWE has the best performers on the planet. That they've ever had, ever, ever, of any generation. There's no softness here or any of this shit that the older guys have to respectfully disagree with that. They've never had a tougher roster. Never. <laughs> I don't think anyone from the Attitude Era would, would disagree, man, to be honest with you. And if they are, they're just marked for themselves. There's no way. Phys- Physical-wise, you know what I mean? With what these guys are doing, there's no way. It's like day and night. It's almost not even the same thing, man. So, no. SmackDown every week is like their pay-per-view used to be. Yeah. So, no, I just got to disagree with that. Uh, anyway, moving along, we got some court shit here. They said that a district judge in Florida dismissed a lawsuit filed against WWE. This is Heal by Nature story. They said it was thrown out January 29th, deemed frivolous. The judge said it would be a waste of public funds and to carry on. Apparently, a fan named Cedric Cunningham filed this complaint on the 25th. He, the judge was really fast with that one, huh? The... The lawsuit alleges that WWE uses sorcery to degrade millions of viewers with their television broadcasts. It claimed emotional distress, cruel and unusual punishment, and discrimination in the filing. Do we have like a record record scratch drop anywhere on that button board? Uh, I would be surprised with the years I was doing it to not have a record scratch button where I think one would be. I don't see it though. Wow, do I not have a... Do I not call it record scratch? Because we would have to have one. It's too late, though. We missed the moment. Well, um, insert record scratch here. Sorcery. 
Sorcery. <laughs> Bitch Day Magic. <laughs> we got, is it World Wizards Entertainment? What the f- I can't even believe that. Sorcery. Sorcery. <laughs> I guess because of The Undertaker? I'm just trying to figure it out, you know? That might be right. All that bliss shit. You know, the way they take that, it's a shoot. Was he from the South? Oh, my God. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Was he from the South? Because those motherfuckers, those are the ones that will jump in the ring. They think this shit is a shoot. They go in there to save their favorite wrestler. Maybe he thought that uh, he's right. If you think about it, holy shit, did George figure it out? Because maybe he did. Oh. technically there was a lot of emotional distress and stuff. If you count all the shit that they do with Bray. You get that one. <laughs> you know the sad part, but if you talk about people who jump in there doing shit for real. And I instantly thought that that one guy on YouTube was always jumping on this shit. Talking about the fuck this shit. Poof. <laughs> I had a shoot with Harry Potter too, but on the third movie, it got good. <laughs> that is a strange lawsuit, though, man. It's weird that people are allowed to do shit like that. Like, the second you hear sorcery, you should just be like, no. No, you really should. So, it has come to our attention that Cesaro's contract is coming up. Oh, shit. Don't get too excited, but a little after WrestleMania, according to Wrestling Inc., his contract is up. What do you think should happen? Get the fuck out. <laughs> you know, I hate to say it, man, but they've had so many years. That guy should have been a world champion two or three times over by now. Get the fuck out. I want Claudio back. I That's was enjoying- one of their best guys. Pound for pound, their strongest. And you I- mean to tell me Goldberg gets to be a champion before him? I miss coming on here. Is going to talk about Claudio Castellanoli and Chris Hero and the Kings of Wrestling? I miss that kind of shit. And honestly, they've had enough years. You know what, man? Honestly, I, I'm I'm right there with you. The more I'm thinking about it in my head now, because I didn't take time to think about this, they took somebody who we knew without a shadow of a doubt, with every fiber of our beings, at least I did, is one of the best wrestlers in the entire fucking world at the level, at the highest level. The absolute highest level that you can be a wrestler is right there. I cannot think of a single person I would hold in higher prestige as a fucking wrestler than this guy. And they did nothing. They did nothing. They did silly language shit. Unfortunately, even if the stuff he, he's not like he was used terribly when you really like sometimes he was around and he did things and he was in tag teams. But you know what, man? Knowing the wrestler that he is, I can't even accept it. Like, and it's no, it's not even like he had a bad run. This is a case where we know that uh, there's a chance we can get more out of him because we've seen it. We've seen him work with these guys before. Com- Remember, he's Ring of Honor guy. It's not like he- it would be. It will, he will be right in, in in the in the harmony wherever he goes. If he leaves here, is the perfect time for him to be out. You know, like compared to how good he should be, he got a bad run. Where the fuck is Chris Hero? By the way, what happened with him? Is he still part of this nonsense? No, he he's been gone from NXT UK for they they let him go probably he was part of that wave of firings in the beginning of the pandemic. They released the shit out of that poor guy. He's like this generation of Jerry Lynn. They just don't know how to use him. But yeah, like considering what he should be, this was a shit run. He might resign with them just because they they've been letting him win lately, and they, and I know uh, they'll probably promise him. But I'm just saying he could be comfortable. Yeah, they like the dance little character. But I'm just saying people. that this guy being from the indie place that we know him from. And knowing just that they've had chances, anyone who would have been there that long, man, like I've been watching him back when I used to watch FCW every week. 
And I used to tell people about this guy. And remember, if you go, go back and watch the old intro to FCW, part of the highlight of it was him doing the, used to be called the very Swiss uppercut in the Indies. That's what he does, the pop-up European uppercut. That's what they call it in the games. Yeah, well, that that's what he that's what used to happen. And uh, that was part of the thing. He was a big deal, man. I mean, God, remember when he first uh, popped up on the main roster, they would purposely put him against guys two and three times bigger than him just so you could see how strong this fucker was. I'll never forget the image of him literally picking up Kali and neutralizing him and just watching his knees lock into place and holding up a 420-pound, 7'4", freaking freaking nature. And you mean to tell me this guy can't get a world title run? Yeah, so it might be time to move on, man. And don't let, don't let them give you those last-minute promises. Don't let them bend at you. Two, a couple of wins don't mean dick. Yeah, they need to get him out of there, man. That was one of my you favorite guys. You hand me my fucking world title before I resign. And you know what I mean? You know, and again, as someone who, you know, I defend WWE, I'm the Mr. Don't Count Them Out Yet. Um, On the flip side of this, I'm not saying that his tenure in WWE wasn't necessary. If anything, it's fantastic. Here is a guy who before I used to speak about the same way I'm speaking about now, but people were unfamiliar with. But at least being that he got the momentum that now he has the following he needs where he can go on and do the things that we remember him from doing. It works for some people and not for others. I don't get it, man. Like, look at Steen. Steen is exactly the same as Kevin Owens. They didn't change a fucking thing, and he was the most nervous I'd ever been in my life. It was like, oh, my God. I remember thinking, how could we have Ring of Honor without Kevin Steen? Like, it kind of felt like there was a point where when I thought of Ring of Honor, that was the face of it for me. And somehow, look at him. They didn't change a damn thing. They kept the babyface version and heel. All the, all the change was the name. So it's like for some reason, the certain formulas, they'll be like, sure, you get it clear. And other things, they'll just manipulate and fuck with until there's like nothing left. Like, remember at one point at the five different languages, he had Oksana who would kill everybody in the ring, but was hot to look at. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, a bunch of different things and they just started taking it all away. Music was better. Then he have like a coat or some shit he used to wear or some sort of like a, like the attire wasn't just tights. Yeah, it, it, it was like a, it was like a switch. It was, um, it looked almost like a rugby jacket. Yeah, like this, like so much. It was, and this is, I've always, how many times have you heard me on this throughout the year say that, like, when we start them seeing them strip people down, that's when you have to, like, get worried? Like, with Elias, remember, I was like, oh, fuck, they started taking, <laughs> like, all these characters, uh, Adam, Adam, uh, what was that other guy's name? Adam Rose. Adam Rose. Remember when we sort of to dismantle him and I told you? It was just, like, slowly, like, oh, shit, there's no, uh, there's no people, whatever those guys were called. Uh, there's no fucking oddities. Rosebuds, whatever. Wow. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you know what I mean. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, yeah, dude, like, like, get get, get, get him out of there. Get They're the hell not, out of if there. If he re-signs, he's going to be in the same fucking spot. Yeah, definitely get out of there, man. He needs to get out of there. Zane needs to get out of there. All those guys need to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, please do, Cesaro. It's time to go that route. You know what the funny thing about this, George? He'd be good anywhere. That's the bad part. Like, that's the really bad part. Cesaro could go wrestle in an armory, armory in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, and he'd probably have a better run than he's had in WWE. Oh, boy. Don't worry. We're almost done with stories. Almost time to celebrate. Uh, so they got Usaini here. They got Miko Satomura. Yep, she is coming to NXT UK. Ah, I didn't know that. Yeah, but then again, let's be real. That roster, that that, that women's roster, needs some names because I mean, I wouldn't know. I, None of us watched that. And truth be told, actually, I can, I, I, 
uh, um, watching some of the recent episodes, I can understand why. Because fucking Kaylee Ray has ripped through that whole fucking women's roster. You know that Indian one? Which, which, fuck, we have to. We have that on the program. I'm never going to get out of here. But that Indian one that happened this last week is going to happen every week. Oh, God. Not yet. Really? But that's the plan. Yeah, it's going to be a weekly show. Oh, well, I mean, hey, there was some, there was some talent on that show. So. There's some talent everywhere. Yeah, See, there's a reason why the moment I get off of here and when I hit that shutting it down button, I'm gone, man. I don't turn anything on for a long time. <laughs> I rather come here and deal with this. It's too much. No, George, there is a women's roster in NXT UK. It's just not that stacked. So having uh, Nico Sotomore there will definitely improve it. Yeah, well, she was in the Mae Young Classic of 2018, so you guys remember her. and You guys know her from Japan, so there's yeah, a big name a, for them to have. That's a draw for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna cherry pick stories because I do want to wrap up, and I know we're nowhere near it because we still have to cover the freaking weeklies. And that delay killed us. <laughs> yeah, podcast people are like, "What delay?" Don't worry about it. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, no, George, this... uh, it's it still got some life to it. It's just not as much. But so, uh, Tamatanga, have you been listening to him recently? I've been hearing little snippets here and there, but I haven't been listening listening. He is uh he's on a roll lately, man. I gotta say, yeah, he's not the, like, he is not shit. happy that they're taking this Bullet Club shit, uh, and running with it to Impact. And uh, I can't really blame him. I'm gonna I'm gonna link you guys to the entire thing. But I'm gonna let you guys hear Tom Tom and a little bit about what he feels about the Impact Wrestling uh AEW Bullet Club. And these rugby ass rugby ass bootleg club here. Want to testify? They want to. They want to come check out the smoke, man. All right, let's do this. First of all, man, they came again on the same page, huh? We got Kenny Omega coming up in a pumpkin patch bullet club shirt, right? From how yep. many years ago? Cut it's up. A, it was a throwback, yeah. Oh man, if I was Dave Meltzer, I would have given the shirt five stars and given Kenny Omega two stars because this tanning was damn more orange than the damn pumpkin, man. Who taught you how to tan, bro? Huh? Damn. You need to stop using that maple syrup as tanning because that's not it, bro. That's not it. All right. And let me tell you something, Carl Anderson. Nice, nice sweatshirt, man. I like it. I like it. I'll, g- I'll give you props because you are OG, right? Right. But I'm going to correct everybody that's been saying, oh, he's like OG. He still got to say, are y'all fucking crazy? Are y'all fucking out of your mind? Huh? Oh, he's an OG. He's got, what, what, what the hell? You haven't been in the group for five fucking years, bro. You've gone on to greener pastures, huh? You don't have no say no more in Bullet Club. You no longer claim Bullet Club. You were the OC. You were the Bulletproof. You were Bullet Brigade. You were the Bullet Nobody Cares. You were this. You were that. You were, how many goddamn times you going to try, dog? It ain't going to work, all right? When you ain't got the heart and soul in it, it's just bullshit. Come on now, man. I don't care if you're an OG, huh? <laughs> you're off in the wind now, bro. You're written off. The only OGs that matter right now is Bad Luck Falling and the good bad guy, Tama Tonga. That's it, man. Prince David got no say. AJ Styles got no say. Kenny Omega, damn sure ain't got no motherfucking say and motherfucking nothing. All right? Get your non-tanning ass out of here. All right? And Gallows, man, Gallows, man. That's fucked up, bro. You know what's fucked up, Gallows? It's fucked up. The Carl Anderson 
And guy named Kenny Oshmega didn't tell you the joke, bro. The joke is you get old shit to wear, not spend all that money on new goddamn gear. How are you going to be the only one that spent money on new goddamn gear, bro? Mm-hmm. Huh? Come on, it- Gallows, bro. But but you know what? I can't blame Gallows because he probably sold all his old shit, man. You know, you know, it's a hustler, hustle. That's where I learned my hustle from. But Gallows, man, they didn't let you in on the joke, bro. I'm sorry. You had to blow all that damn money on new Bullet Club gear. And you're not even in Bullet Club. Damn. I would take every single one of y'all dumbasses to Bullet Club court. You remember that? But you're not in Bullet Club. So, you know, it'll be fair if we take you to a bootleg Bullet Club court. That would be better, right? That would be better. I would like that, man. And let the fans decide huh, what your penance should be. It would have been all gravy if it came back to Japan. It would have been a big-ass reunion. I would have thrown a party. I would have gotten like 900 sponsors all over the place. We would have thrown out everything for these guys, man. Are you Ooh. sold out to the one team that we kicked out? How are you going to have a reunion with guys that kick, got kicked out? What kind of shit is that, bro? How, what kind of shit is that? That's the dumbest, stupidest shit I ever heard, bro. Ah, dang, man. Y'all can't get any dumber than that, man. But I expect that. I expect that. I expected you guys to play that stupid card, man. I expected that. Come on. You can do better than that. Carl Schmanderson. Huh? Luke Schmallows. Come on, man. Once a sellout, always a sellout. And I'll never forget that. Right there, because they always about that quick buck, man. Never holding off, knowing the right time to pull the trigger. You guys, man, bunch of click, 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 no bang, man, nothing. If you guys think that you guys, uh, the two sweetest heard around the world, <sighs> fuck all that nonsense, man. That stupid ass fuckery. Are you kidding me, man? This shit is whack anyway, man. Shit. We done moved on. We done moved on, man. There was a report earlier today. It's looking like they're trying to trademark too sweet for merchandising uh, <laughs> in the name of maybe maybe getting in on y'all's. Hey, hey, I don't care. We don't, we're not using too sweet. By all means, go ahead and take it. I would mm. get the company to come in and cease and desist your bitch asses. Ooh. But I ain't no snitch like your little hoe asses, man. I ain't no snitch like you whole muffins out there. So, ah. Now you go ahead, man. Oh, about time out there spreading Bullet Club. They're spreading all over the world. Shut the hell voices. up. What the hell are you all talking about, man? What the hell? They're all talking that bullshit. Tama, he's spreading it in America. He's just jealous. Shut the hell up. Ain't nobody jealous of shit, squat, dick, nothing. Ugh. You guys make, you fans make me sick, man. Don't know shit from squat. Ugh. Look, the only people they're advertising is mm. themselves. Not Bullet Club. And you all should have known that when they did the whole elite thing. Oh, the elite made Bullet Club uh, more uh, more famous. Bitch, the elite made the elite more famous. Not the Bullet Club. That's how they were able to go on. They used Bullet Club to go on and do their other shit. They used us as a platform. Let's not forget that bullshit. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Come on well, now. They used us. They used ROH. They used... Who else did they use? Huh? I'm going to tell you this right now. Remember this. How you treat people on the way up is how they're going to treat you on the way down. Don't forget that. Don't you all forget that. Look at them struggling right now, man. Struggling so bad, so desperate right now. Uh, let's bring Bullet Club. Uh, all the ex-members. Let's go. What kind of dumb shit is that? I've never I've never seen anything so dumb before. Oh. Carl Anderson, I expected more, man. But I guess I was wrong. I guess five years out there in New York really cluttered your brains up, man. Whew. I thought we were good brothers, man. 
I was like, here's my boys. I was pissed off at WWE. I was pissed off at them for firing my good brothers here on a time on a pandemic. When people needed help, they're going to let go of my buddies, my brothers. So I said, hey, man, come on in, bro. Let me try to help you out. You know, this is beneficial for both of us. Ah, little I know, man. Little I know. I should have freaking known, man. <laughs> I should have known better. Ah, uh-uh, ah, man. Ah, bullshit, bro. Bullshit. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, man, easy money. That's the problem with you. You know, I was going to say you Americans, but I can't say that. A lot of Americans is what's taught out there, man. You guys just hoeing out so quick. So quick, man. You ever seen that? They did a test with kids, man. They put them in a room, put a plate of cookies. They said, two cookies. I said, look, I'm going to leave these cookies right here. I'm going to leave. I'll be gone 15 minutes. If I come back and these cookies are in, you'll get four cookies. Carl Anderson, man, you leave that room, them motherfuckers eat them cookies up right oh. away, man. <laughs> Oof. Uh, Can't wait, man. Can't wait. <laughs> is oh, this even about Bullet Club anymore? Hey, ain't nobody give a fuck about no impact. Nobody mm-hmm. give a fuck about no goddamn impact, man. Look, let me tell you something, man. Ass. I ain't got no problems with, with WWE. Mm-hmm. I got no problems. If they, you know what? Hey, Hunter, anybody up there, Vince McMahon, hey, anybody, we open for business, man. Mm-hmm. All right? You come take care of me and my peoples. All right, and I'm talking about BC. I'm talking about New Japan. Let's do business, man. Let's Ooh. do business. I ain't got no beef with y'all. I ain't got no beef like like these other cats. All right, building a company just rival you. Nah, we're New Japan, man. We've been here. We we're here before. Oh, y'all, we've been here. So look, we ain't got no problems. Our Ooh. gates is wide open. Let's do business, huh? We got CMLL. We got WWE. What's up, man? What's good? I ain't got no beef with y'all. What I got beef on, everybody knows what I got beef with. I'm bullshit ass. Omega Let's keep all going. Oh, I was gonna say, <laughs> so, full disclosure, you know when we got the uh, the please wait show starting shit up with Tachi or whatever. I was I was behind the uh I was behind the curtain during that because I did when this came across my desk I didn't realize until just before about to go on this this is too long I can't run this this is he babbles and goes on too much I was behind behind the the scenes and I cut it significantly significantly Destin significantly and uh if you want to hear the whole thing (laughs) got the I think I put the link up there got time like that uh that's the things I do for this Uh, when you hear the, the audio version Holy shit. I thought it was funny. I like when he talk, gave that cookie metaphor and he talked about his cookie loving ass. <laughs> for Gallows and Anderson, it's like he put them in the metaphor, like if they actually ate the cookies from the like metaphor. He's fucking funny. Like, he is funny. You know what, man? I mean, at the end of the day, he's not saying, I mean, he may not have the same verbal etiquette, but he's not saying anything different from what I've been saying as far as the, uh, the Bullet Club stuff goes. And really, it's not like he's changed. When I, I got to give credit to, to these guys those guys have become more badass throughout the uh this whole time from the moment that they were in bullet club now there's been nothing but an elevation of character they get better and better character and work-wise and they're the only ones in the bullet club that are consistent he's right about that people don't i mean it started with them and those guys they didn't have off time and i know people like the elite but they didn't have these weird storylines like i feel like everyone that's in the elite they have these weird dramatic storylines where they become dismayed and distant and shit or they have fucking drama like soap opera drama honestly throughout all that bullshit and all this transition these guys were the fucking bullet club that's what i've been saying since this whole thing happened i've been like hello is everyone comfortable with this i'm not like i remember the bullet club where it was 
And it does feel like there's a little bit of Bullet Club dick riding going on in, in America here because it is a New Japan thing. As far as whether or not they used Ring of Honor and New Japan uh, to elevate themselves, to an extent they did. At the same time, I've said on here many, many years that during that time, if you recall, we had, uh, what did we really have? I guess the big act for WWE. What was the last big act for WWE, the last draw? If you were really going to put something on it and say the last big draw that WWE had during Ring of Honor, New Japan, Bullet Club. Who was their guy? Like, I'm legit, I'm legitimately Cena, trying to remember. Okay. Probably Cena, right? Yeah. Was that their top guy? Cena, Daniel Bryan, okay. essentially, when he was around. So you see what I mean? Everyone has their draw. At the time, the entire Bullet Club was the big draw that New Japan and Ring of Honor shared. And uh, they incorporated a lot of guys into that that made it uh what it was. And when you really look at it, people keep telling them to get over it. It's like, I think they do a really good job of getting over it because if they got over it anymore, they wouldn't exist. People pick from them like if they're a fucking apple tree, not for nothing. How many times are they going to have to get over it? Look at it from their perspective. You come up with this idea, Bullet Club for Life, blah, blah, blah. How much for life is it? Finn Balor was the fucking leader. WWE took him. They had to adapt. They had to adjust. They adjusted, put AJ Styles in it. They brought Gallows, Anderson, Young Bucks in it. You know, WWE takes AJ Styles and fucking Nakamura. Let's not forget it was both on the same night, night after Wrestle yeah. Kingdom. Gallows and Anderson Leaving weren't them, far behind. You know, then they had to put Kenny Omega, elevate him up, you know, bring in fucking Adam Cole. Guess where Adam Cole winds up? At the end of the day, there's a lot of getting over it when really at the end of the time, these companies are picking that shit clean. And I've always said for years that the resilience of Ring of Honor especially amazes me when you when you look at the fact that every time they get something that's on fire, it immediately gets yanked away. And then when people call back to how it gets yanked away, everybody's like, get the fuck over it. <laughs> like, it's one of those things. In this case, it's not another company taking it. They took themselves. They elevated themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. But he's not wrong about... He didn't complain until they started doing Bullet Club. He didn't say shit when they were doing the Elite, right? No. It is a Bullet Club thing, and I, I thought that it was weird. But you know what? At the same time, they say that this could be an angle. He sounds like he's working. It sounds like it could be a gimmick. Maybe I this mean, is leading. I, I don't know this... about you, but if this don't end up in Bullet Club versus, I'm sorry, whether they like it or not, I'm going to call it Bullet Club versus Bullet Club, there's almost no point. I, this has to be, he sounds like it's a shoot promo. Like a, like a, you know, it's definitely, he's working us, you know? It, it sounds like he's shooting for the sake of the work. Yeah. That has to be, at least in my because opinion. You the only thing that makes it a red flag is that they're heels over there as well, at least. So, I mean, but it still could be work, man. This doesn't, this doesn't come off so, 100% legit to me. Maybe it is. It could be a necessarily thing with them heels, but also it would be a pride thing too, because Tama and Tonga Loa are guys who have been there since day one. Yeah. But Impact Wrestling always clings to anything that's hot in order to be able to get whatever they can to just survive. They're like going from just air bubble to air bubble in the Sonic Water stage. You know, like they don't, they're just trying, they're just trying to make it through this fucking thing, man. You Literally, know, like they, uh, until we play clips, I forget that Impact has anything to even do with any part of this. Mm. <sighs> Yeah, let really that don't. be the end game, and I guarantee that's going to be match. That's going to be the probably most talked about match of the entire year. Yeah, I still like them, man. Oh yeah, I always love those guys. That's one of my favorite tag teams. Yeah, pretty much. I remember saying, um, when World Tag League started, I was so relieved to see real Bullet Club. Mm-hmm. That's not sure. freaking Evil Dick and Gato and all this other shit. Like, all right, well, let's talk about some weeklies here, huh? 
What's up? Wee wee. thing is, we already knocked one out because we got SmackDown done the post show. Yeah, but they gave us that superstar spectacle here. Yeah, yeah. That was actually kind of cool. All right, so we had the uh, what the non-title match starts it off with Finn Balor versus Guru Raj, with the finish being the nineteen sixteen. But this, you know what? I stand corrected. This was the bloody Sunday. Oh yeah, he put emphasis on that. Uh, first of all, I I've, I've never really like even called it the nineteen sixteen. That's a bloody fucking Sunday. The one oh, he right. hit him with was the bloody Sunday. <laughs> Whoa. You know, it was pretty bad. Let me see. Can I bring that up on the screen here? I'm pretty sure that I could do you guys just bear with me a minute. We're in real time here. <laughs> no, uh, actually, it, we're, we're, we're covering the weeklies. <laughs> Is this it here? Might be, yeah, because, yeah, that was. Oh, he already hit God. it. We get in the replay. We might get in the replay here. But, uh, yeah, he hit him with the fucking bloody Sunday version of that. Maybe they don't care too much about that dude. And they're like, let him get the stiff one. Because it wasn't right, that, it that real. Using that weird, he hit him like, with the Bullet Club version of that shit. Here we go. Superstar spectacle. Let's look he, at he, some he, of the he, highlights right now. And Raj with an elbow taking Balor down as he. I don't need to hear Cole for this, but they'll show the. Yeah, they'll show like, the finish. Like lately, he's been using that like Final Cut thing. It looks like they even call nineteen sixteen. Like, no, this was a bloody Sunday. Mm-hmm. The other guy was cool too. It was good that they get there. Yeah. I mean, this was at the the, the Thunderdome. So that means his talent is here, right? Yeah, there's a lot of talent. Over there, and I like, yeah, I like that all this uh new talent got to display it. See, that's what they've been calling the 1916 lately. What they changed like the names around? Uh, no, like um that weird like elbow takedown. Before, See, look, 1916. Like, See, that's the 1916. The way he <laughs> he bloody Sunday his ass. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. You know, like that was crazy. You see how bad that was? You missed that man. And that kid ate every last bit of it. Yeah, I guess over there it doesn't matter. But yeah, they were at the regular Thunderdome. It was just that the audience that was put on the screen was uh was Indian, you know? Yeah. Do, do, you, do you think they still get the bonus that they get when they have to travel for having to do the Indian show? Or is it kind of like, nope, you're just on the regular so. Thunderdome show. You get regular Thunderdome money. I fucking hope so they still get that bonus. Jesus. You don't have to travel. You don't have to do anything. It's just a house show. You know, I have no idea. Anyway. You get an eight-man tag team match. Cesaro, Dolph Ziggler, Car- King Corbin, Shinsuke Nakamura against Dilshur Shanky, Giant Zanjir, Rey Mysterio, and Ricochet. And the cool part about it is uh, Giant Zanjir and Dilko Shamsi are two of the great Kali's students. Yes, they are. With the finish to this big Mysterio. Holy shit, them some big boys. Mm-hmm. Mysterio splash on Cesaro off of the, their shoulders. Except you know what? You just made the list. Oh, no. Oh, here we go. Thank you, Madula. Yeah, I believe that was uh, Shonky's shoulders he jumped off of. Yeah, yes, it was. Uh, you know, they look kind of weird on those guys. They look like little kids with the, with being held up on their shoulders, though, during this whole thing. You know what I'm saying? The size difference was nuts. Really big size difference here. Uh, the the guy, Dilshir Shanky, he looks like an Indian hooven toot Guerrero, like a giant hoovy, giant Indian hoovy, expression-wise. Don't you start now. Um, I don't start popping up with weird videos. I mean, why is Ziggler wearing Edge's jacket? It's almost like Ziggler just, just steals everybody's design that he can. You know what I what, mean? That's what Ziggler does. You know, like, come on. Like, do you guys have to always, like, look the same? You know, like, does Ziggler ever have his own style? But yeah, look at the size of these guys here, you know? Look at them. There's this giant hoovy with the other guy. They are yeah, towering dudes. Towering dudes. Let's flip around, give you guys some screenshots of them here. Oh yeah, there's Ziggler with an edge jacket. You know? He's there to show the world that he's stealing another Look at that. Come on. What the fuck are you doing? No, it's like I've seen him with every person's attire that you can possibly have as a tire. Did you notice he didn't he hasn't worn that since? 
Yeah, no, he hasn't. Yeah, you know why? Because Edge whooped his ass and took his jacket back. Yeah. Well, these two guys weren't in the match much. They they finally found two guys that they can use less than Ricochet. You know, that's essentially what it really became. Nakamura's <laughs> in this match too. Um, no one really did anything. My, Nakamura's hardly in it. His entrance was the most involved that he was in the match. So I mean, it's not really for much some to talk reason. About like we said last week, they turned him heel just for this event. Well, no, he. Well, yeah, I guess just because he's back in that tag team, they didn't really have. I don't yeah. know. It was booked before. Who knows? You get a singles match: AJ Styles with Omas against Jeet Rama, with the finish being the phenomenal forearm. Uh, Deed's not that good, man. Bad German suplex, bad yeah. top rope bump. I, I wasn't feeling this match too much. Uh, AJ did what he could with the guy. Uh, we had the New Day, Big E and Woods incarnation of it, and the Street Profits announcing um some dance performance that they were doing. I fast forwarded. Yeah, it. Uh, the, the the spinning canvas. All right, cool. The dance had there was a dance intermission. Kali makes like a two like a two second cameo in Indian. He brings it via Indian satellite. We get a tag team match: Bailey and Nat Natalia against Charlotte Flair and Serena Sandu. With the finish being Natalia has Serena in the sharpshooter, and then Charlotte comes from behind and hits natural selection, and this leaves Serena to uh to cover her. I'm sorry, I yeah. wrote I wrote I'm, I wrote this leaves shitty Serena to cover. Oh, you ain't sorry. shit. <laughs> She sucked though, man. I'm, I'm, I hate to say it, it's just she like this, I, I'm, I'm writing fast when I'm doing it, but she did suck. She sucked. Um, during during Bailey's intro, I do like the, uh, Bailey's healing it up, man. I like when she's like, "Where's my pyro?" And then it goes over, and she's like, "There we go." Ah. <laughs> and she's like, "You see that? That's a superstar." Like she's she's one of the most entertaining people in this whole you thing. You know what man. it is? I've noticed with Bailey's matches, sometimes my favorite part is just listening to the shit she says during her entrance. Yeah. Oh, uh, you could tell that this was definitely in the can. They edited it. They did their post production magic because the Serena girl's really terrible. Well, not even Kevin Dunn's shitty camera work or WWE's obvious edits could save her. There was like a tilt the world that she did that she didn't get the full rotation, so they cut it from two angles so it didn't look that bad. Most of the stuff was sloppy and clunky. I think there was supposed to be another girl here, the girl that was in the Mae Young or some other girl, uh, but she had some sort of emergency and she had to go back home, so they put this as a last-minute replacement. Is this the match that happened with? Yeah, I believe this was the one. I forget who the girl that was supposed to be in her place, but you know her because they actually used her in the video package before that. They showed her. And, and then they yeah, talked she, about uh, how she's she had been in the Rumble, too. Right. So that's who was supposed to be. So instead, we got this girl who was green, green as hell. Uh, I believe the main event after this is all that's left, right? You had a six-man tag team yep. title match with Drew McIntyre and in the sheer. Uh, Rinku and Savora. Yeah, that's who they're called. Rinko and Shamar, they're called Indus Sheer. And this is against Jinder Mahal and the, and the Bollywood Boys, which is Samir and Sunil. Finch being Drew hits Jinder with a Claymore and then lets the twins essentially hit the Bolly Boys. They put them away. Uh, yeah, a backbreaker elbow drop combo. Mm-hmm. Ric Flair introduces this main event and it was super disappointing. Like, super disappointing. And this goes back to me talking about how WWE and, and and Bishop talking about how WWE is overproduced. Ric Flair, especially for someone my age, is still a hero and he's still amazing to hear and see come out. They couldn't have scripted Ric Flair more when he came out. They gave us no Ric Flair and I feel bad for the generation that has to put up with current WWE and the way they treat their legends because people say oh the way they treat their legends with Randy Orton bullying them. That's an angle. I don't care about that. The way they treat their legends where I haven't heard a legend speak in years and it was never more apparent to me than when Ric Flair spoke during this. It almost and I'm not saying Stephanie wrote this but if you listen to Ric Flair and imagine it coming out of Stephanie's mouth there's almost no Ric Flair in this promo. There's nothing in here of how Ric Flair talks or what he would say. Listen to this. 
It is my honor to be here tonight for the first ever WWE Superstar Spectacle. Everyone knows that the WWE brings the world together like no one else. And I'm so excited to see so many members from the WWE Universe from the great country of India in front of us all right now. It's amazing. But before I introduce the great six-man tag team match that will be the main event tonight, I want to wish everyone a very happy Republic Day. Woo! Fuck off. That's not Ric Flair. That was a, that was like basically scripted zombie robot. You see what I mean? Like, and I love how they throw the Ric Flair soundbite in there at the end. That's what it was, right? They told him to make sure you woo at the end. That whole shit was. Then, if you imagine Stephanie's voice in those words, it sound it just sounds so corporate, man. And I'm not even saying let him go off on the mic, but give him a, give us a little Ric Flair. Go out there and be Ric Flair a little bit. Holy shit! No one wants to watch the same scripted people. We're not fucking children. We could tell the difference between real Ric Flair and the script that you're sending him out there with. Good lord, man. Anyway, aside from that, uh, Drew McIntyre uh, calls his team the three-man band of destruction. I guess he's going against Jinder. There's a callback there. It was good to see Jinder, though. It was good to see he's good to, you get to see he's healthy. Yeah, you get to see him a lot more when this thing becomes Cause he Because he had just come back and then, boom, got hurt again. Mm-hmm. And one thing I did... Um, I did forget, and I did actually because I think I heard Vince was dancing to his music in the back. I forgot how much I like Jinder's music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vince did. They, they, it's they, a really dope theme, but yeah, apparently the reports Vince was dancing to it in the back. Yeah, I saw that on the sheets. They said that, that that that's the one person that he found out in the back was dancing to it when he was in Gorilla. You know, probably just tell sitting at the, at the at the desk dancing to it. You know, you should tell nobody I make it have fun, damn it. All right. Well, not much to talk about on Impact, right? There was no AEW crossover, was there? Uh, there might have been one. I don't even. I, George, I don't think George is the only person. He's the only fan they have left. George, was any uh, impact crossover this week? That was actually interesting. And he won't forgive me if I, if I go past what I'm talking about. At least a crossover. And he bad. If if it's if it's there, then that means it didn't make any of the main dirt sheets because I make sure that I scour those for anything that came up. So, but you have time to think about that because the one thing that I do have from them is this week's paid advertisement from Tony Khan. Yeah. We asked before if this was going to become a weekly thing, and you know what? It is a weekly thing, right? <laughs> it's tradition. All right. Anyway, here we go. The following announcement is paid for by All Elite Wrestling. Here's the owner of AEW, Mr. Tony Khan. Thank you, Tony. Hello, Impact Wrestling. It's great to join you again this week for another paid ad. And, Tony, I have to say... I miss you during last week's paid ad. Well, well, Tony, thank you for saying that. Thank you. I really care about you, man. Well, I care about you, too. Thanks so much. And I also care about pro wrestling and the fans, unlike Don Callis. That's why I strive to make AEW the number one destination on Wednesday nights for wrestling fans. The things I do here in Impact Wrestling, this is all a game to me. It's like my own personal wrestling fantasy league. And it's week one, and I already have the number one contenders. It's been one week since I entered the Impact Zone. Wow, yeah. For the first time. And what a zone it is, Tony. Absolutely. That's what I understand. <laughs> and let me tell you, I was in the zone. And Big Money Matt Hardy was in the zone. And Jerry Lynn was in the zone. And Private Party were in the zone. 
and now Private Party are the number one contenders to the Impact World Tag Team Championship held by the Good Brothers, who will be in action tomorrow night on AEW Dynamite, teaming with the Young Bucks against the Red Hot Dark Order. Tony, please tell them all about tomorrow's huge card. Tomorrow night, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 Central on TNT, AEW Dynamite returns with another loaded show. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, will take on Shanna. Dax Harwood will go one-on-one against Jungle Boy with Luchasaurus handcuffed at ringside to both Cash Wheeler and Tully Blanchard. This one has been brewing since the Battle Royal and All Out last year. For the first time ever, Eddie Kingston will collide with Lance Archer. The Hollywood hunk, Ryan Nemeth, will make his debut on Dynamite. Will he be able to step up on the big stage against Hangman Adam Page? Plus, you will see the inner circle, Chris Jericho and MJF, in tag team action against the Varsity Blondes. Plus, Cody is going to address Shaquille O'Neal. We will hear from former world champion John Moxley. And Sting and Darby Allen will address their street fight coming up against Team Taz at Revolution. They will do that this week. That's going to be a great card tomorrow night on AEW Dynamite. I promise a great show on TNT tomorrow. And speaking of the Good Brothers, if they make it through tomorrow's show, they're due to face the music next week. Teaming with the world champion Kenny Omega against Pac, Phoenix, and the rightful world champion John Moxley. It's going to be a huge night, and the tickets are on sale now. Tone, where's there a better experience in wrestling right now than Jacksonville at Daly's Place? Daly's Place is going to be big and will be coming up. Beach Break is coming up on Wednesday, February 3rd. Tickets available right now at AEWTix.com. And we'll see you tomorrow night on TNT with AEW Dynamite. I'm getting used to these. Uh, Yeah, I looked. You know what? While while I was going on, I looked, George, throughout the entire uh, impact. If there was a promo there, they didn't isolate it. You know, I'm going to have to start doing it. I'm going to just have to start having the impact show here that I could throw up on the feed and just look through the way we do some of the other shows, I guess. Because I'm not watching that shit unless we're doing the show, you know. If anybody finds an isolated link, Twitter or YouTube link, I'll jump back to it. But I want to jump to ADW Dynamite. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to touch bullet points. You know, we need to go over matches. We're all adults here. You know how matches went. Um, nasty choke slam with, with Lance Archer versus uh, Eddie Kingston match. Huh? Ooh, you know. Lance portrayed like a beast when they want him to be. Lance was like, this motherfucking could take it. Fuck it. Boom. Yeah, if he could take it, then we're going to definitely give it out. Let me see if I could get that up on the screen. Where was the choke slam? I think I timestamped that here. Uh, you know what the funny thing about it is? Knowing people who have worked with Eddie Kingston, that had to be logic. What? Like, you know this motherfucker is built for tough. Fuck it. I can hit a pretty damn hard. Continuing the pressure on Kingston. I've always thought that Eddie Kingston was a... Oh, my Jesus. God! What the hell? Rough times there, dude. Choke slam the holy hell out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty crazy stuff. Uh, we finally do get a little bit of a taste of Sting and Darby Allen together. I do like the atmosphere that they created in this promo and the stuff that they did here. Uh, let me bring that up. I actually have that isolated. They shared it nicely. I'll, yeah. I'll link you guys to it in the chat room so that you can take a look. Let's just get on a first-name basis right now. Taz, Brian, and Ricky, since we're going to be married in a street fight at Revolution, and since you feel so free to just throw out all kinds of false accusation toward Darby and myself, 
I want to tell you my feelings are hurt by that. You, you called us hoodlums. I mean, hoodlums? I, Darby, a hoodlum, me, a... a Okay, Darby, he is a hoodlum. Darby, you are a hoodlum. You see in the streets, it doesn't matter if you play clean or dirty. It's all about survival. I am a hoodlum. No different than you. Mazel tov. <laughs> I am a hoodlum. A revolution in the street. Park. I am the hoodlum. It's gonna be showtime. I like that little Bruce Wayne, Tim Drake thing they got going on. You know what it almost, the vibe I kind of got, and I'm probably the only person who caught this vibe. If this was like an anime, Sting would, would be the fucking voice in Darby's head. Something <laughs> about those two fits really good. Oh, yeah. yeah it, it works. You know, I'm not going to act like Espe- it does, Especially you know? when you add on the fact that like Darby has only half his paint, half his uh, face painted. Mm-hmm. I just wish they would get more shots when they face each other where the where the side of his face that's painted is what's facing the camera. They keep blowing that. That shot has to be coming somewhere. But yeah, good promo, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, well, let's jump out of this. Jericho uh, and MJF versus Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman with the finish being the Judas Effect into the Lion Salt on Pillman. And then Jericho tweets, never lost it, baby. <laughs> After the Lion Salt. See what I like? It kind of confirmed what I thought. That last time didn't properly set his feet for that one. He made sure he got that fucker right this week, because because we, like I said, we never see him mess that move up. No, he he doesn't. So it's like I love how everybody just that's why I love how like well, especially when it comes to some of the guys in AEW, everybody's so quick to jump on the oh he's over the hill and I'm like he messed that move up one time in like ever. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it when the ropes were messed up or they broke on him or something. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he he doesn't need to. Jericho needs to make some adjustments. I'm not, I mean, look, I'm not saying that it's not possible, but he does need to just make some some life adjustments, probably for yeah. for his own sake. But that doesn't mean he's not still oh, yeah. fantastic. Exactly, you know? dude still has it. You got to kind of adjust some things. Mm-hmm. I do like that he Jewish affected him out of the air, though. Yes, like he. <laughs> when certain it times that so move fast, I didn't realize it happened. Certain times that move works in certain specific circumstances the trick is to know those specific circumstances jericho is a guy and that's something i've always given him credit for he's one of those guys that he likes to switch things up he likes to try new things and not become stale but sometimes as a result of that his body of work will take damage is the best way that i could put it the best example of that that i can give is uh probably the skull crushing finale when you really look at it that's just me going through stuff in the background, don't mind me. But the skull crushing finale, uh, when you look at that move, people forget that during the Attitude Era, specifically the invasion, that was Jericho's finisher. He tried so hard to get that move over. Like, that was his finisher, and it didn't fucking work. Like, it just something about it. Sometimes the way he executed it also didn't work. Some people just hate that finisher. I think it's fine, especially if you're a heel. 
slip up behind somebody and pound their fucking face into the ground like that. It's appropriate for the person. With Jericho, it didn't work. He tried so hard to get it over. Go back and look. When he first won the WCW title during the invasion, that's what he hit the rock with, I believe, right? I think yep, Stephanie got involved with. or something, and he was facing her, but that's, that, that was the move he wins the title with. And anyone who didn't really realize it, man, if it's gone over your head, The Miz essentially basically created his character, obviously, behind Jericho. The way that The Miz would talk, his mannerisms, the way that The Miz... The way he delivers, a lot of it was taken from Jericho. Jericho, a few times in the past, has even acknowledged that Miz takes shit from him. And he uses it. And I, the Skull Crushing finale is one of those. Moves. Like, Miz is basically another Jericho, as much as people don't like to really hear it. And when that was happening, if you go back and look, you'd find a lot. Like, when TMZ would catch Jericho, he'd be with Miz. Like, they were hanging out. And a lot of Jericho during that era rubbed off on who the guy became. By digress, Jericho at the time trying that finisher didn't work for him. He couldn't get it over, but the Miz wound up using it and it works to this day. Um, the Codebreaker, sometimes it's another one of those things where it's like, do, do you like the Codebreaker? Uh, I've never had a problem with the move. I mean, I, later I, I, well, until he first did it, I'd never really seen anything like it before. Right. Um, I mean, it's, it's just the iconic moves that work for him. I, the Codebreaker is an okay addition, but I think just the Lion Salt and the, uh, and the freaking, uh, Balls of, Jericho, balls of Jericho, Lion Tamer. Or Lion Tamer, depending on which one he uses. I think that works better for him. And I just don't want the Judas effect to become one of those things that, like, you couldn't get over. Because sometimes you can't even see it. A few times you actually hear it. There's, like, a snap. I'm not sure how he does. But sometimes it's just like, oh, Judas effect happened. If we fucking superimpose the camera, you would have seen it. You know, just it's just not a good move to get over. You know, one of the things in wrestling, and I know that obviously... They, they base themselves on realism, but one of the things when you're working in wrestling to get like a move or a spot over is to, is to draw the crowd's attention to it. This is the reason why whenever somebody goes for something, whether it be a barbed wire bat or pair of scissors or something, they'll hold it up in the air, like up above their head and turn. So everyone sees the thing that they're getting over and what they're going to do. Just the significance of what's about to happen. Knowing that old school psychology of wrestling versus the Judas effect where sometimes someone will hit the ropes and I don't even fucking see it. They're just on the ground. He spun and hit them, clack, and they're dead. It's like it just sometimes doesn't work. And it's strange because Okada has a fucking short arm clothesline that he manages to get over. But a lot of it has to do with New Japan's camera work when he does that, as well as his execution of it. So uh, I heard that he did that line so to make a point since last week he landed on his face, but I also heard that he didn't even, that there was no way for him to have known that there were comments about the line salt. But even if, to his defense, that's not why he ended this match with line salt. But you know what? Even if he didn't know there were comments about this line salt, he knew he botched the last one. So he must have been able to anticipate that there would be comments and then decide to end this one with a fucking line salt. Don't try to make it seem like he didn't know. Oh, he just coincidentally made and finished this match with line salt. You know, that was a statement. Uh, new music, right? MJF and Jericho? Yeah, they have uh they have their own tag music now. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. I got I gotta say. Uh let me see if I could put it on here for a minute. Um, is this a part where it is? They kind of mixed the two and it's okay when music has the same tempo and beat it's okay to do it. They kinda did a mixture of MJF's music and the uh the, the, the Judas theme. In the ring. Let's take a look back at last week and how we got here. It was the inner circle tag team challenge. MJF said Wardlow wasn't even supposed to get involved in the match. That's dope, right? It didn't matter much because as he pinned Sammy Guevara in a buzzer beater finish. That's what bad guys do. They cheat to win. Well, you're not going to find anyone 
more despicable, more low, more ornery, more cheap. I really like this table, man. grass rat. No one likes him but Jericho and MJF. Even with their drama and shit, this is, this is one of the most badass tables in the, in the, in the business, right? Yeah. The team of MJF and the Demo God. Alicia Young. I like the most about when it, when it comes to this table. What's that? When they've had issues, uh-huh. it's not like shit we see with the Hurt business, where they're just bitching and bitching. They have issues, they beat the shit out of each other and then get over it. And, and I like them, but just to, to look at the opposite logic, they had a thing where it was like, "Where are they going to all split up? Or we're all going to get along?" They all decided to stay together. I don't want, I don't want any more issues. Then they have to stop dragging it out now. Just be a stable. It's a cool stable. Right now, we we could use a good fucking stable. You know, it, it seems like they, they they have instead of letting their issues get too bad, they just hash it out. But you well, know like what? It's, it's kind of like this whole how this team started. They couldn't decide who uh, we're going to challenge. We're going to go after the tag title. So it's like okay. Well, here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal, though, with their drama, making the angle that your stable always has drama. The problem with that is that right now, I don't know if these guys realize. I was trying to get a still shot of Jericho there, fuck it. But I don't know if these guys realize it. But the problem with doing something like that is that right now you have the the elite who are having drama and issues with each other. You have the inner circle who are having drama and issues with each other. The most over babyface stable in AEW is the Dark Order. While everybody's having these issues and crying and stuff, everyone loves the Dark Order. Now, do you see this? And it, and I'm not saying that it's not worthy, but the timing also has to do with everything that's happened, the tragedy that's happened, but everyone cares about the Dark Order now. They're starting to not, they're legit starting to not give a fuck about the elite. And remember, you heard it here, in case we're talking about this shit a month, they're starting to not give a fuck about the elite, man, to their, yeah. to their, own, their own freaking fault. As far as the way they're booking themselves, which is funny to see. People are starting to not give a fuck about them. And that's the reason why the, Thomas sees it. As much as you guys don't like hearing, I saw in the chat negative reaction. He sees the writing on the wall. You know, people are starting to give, they're desensitized to it. They're starting to give less and less of a shit about this. You know, and I'm, and I'm not saying the inner circle's in that territory, but I don't want to see them become like the elite are. No one gives a fuck what's happening with the elite right now, man. It's because they, they tease too many things and nothing big ever came of it. And then people left and it's, it's like, it became a big mess. It never felt like the bullet, now that the bullet club, but then one of them turns and like, they never really gave anyone anything that was substantial enough. They never were together enough to have a group shirt. And I know that that's marketing and shit, but when you look at DX, there was a point when you could get the DX shirt that had Triple H, China, Road Dog, X-Pac and Billy Gunn all on it posing. That, that, these stables in AEW can't even get a fucking stable enough stable to get a shirt. There's always someone who's in or out or will they or won't, won't they or something like that. It looks like the, the, the breakout stable is going to be the fucking Dark Order. And you're right. Six layer men love because I've been watching lately. The Dark Order is more on being the elite than, than, than the fucking elite. They're on there in the back with, it's like John Silver's like practically the main character hanging out doing all this funny shit with them. You know, it's crazy though. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because I like it. And before we knew what was going to happen with Brody, I was the one that said maybe they need to take John Silver and go in a different direction. When Brody comes back, just let these guys be comedic because we know he's good on his own. And unfortunately this happened. But the point being that. Even if the Dark Order stays the top stable, it's not good that every stable underneath has a dismay. This goes back to what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. That part of the problem with AEW is that they'll book the same angle or similar angles in the same show back to back. They have two different stables where there are people that are not getting along in the stable and will they, won't they, are they going to stay together? There's miscommunications. They had two angles where they're trying to recruit somebody with Taz trying to recruit Powerhouse Hobbs and uh, the Dark Order trying to recruit... uh. 
Adam Page. There's too much um, similarities and parallels, even if they're booked differently, of the same exact things happen. If you put it on paper as bullet points, which we literally do for this show, it comes out like the same shit. And if I'm looking at what's being booked and breaking it down to bullet points, we have to remember that these things probably started as bullet points, which means that at one point they saw it in the format that I'm fundamentally breaking it down to. So they know when they're looking at it that they have a list of the same shit over and over again. That needs to be separated. And uh, the the Jericho thing does not need Sammy Guevara going up against MJF like that. It seems that I keep hearing that they want to tease and, and make Sammy Guevara a baby face on his own. And that's what this whole thing's about. That's a great idea for the future, but that's a bad idea, too. Because at some point, the inner circle sooner than later could wind up on a baby face run right now. I just uh, think I'm tired of everyone being pissed off at each other in their stables. Then you have WWE doing it too. The Hurt Business guys are angry at each other. Like, when do you get stables anymore where the people are just fucking working? Miz and Morrison seem to get along. They don't count. No, I'm kidding. But uh, say the only thing, the only case I can think of it really is uh, Undisputed Era right now. The the worst mistake that you can make is to make the the beginning of Nitro mistake that I had to live through as a teenager. When you used to have 20 NWO members, no matter what version it was, Miss Elizabeth was in it. They're all in the ring, and there's an argument, and we don't know why they have a problem with each other. Some shit happened before Nitro started, but then by the end of the promo, they're all cool, and they're all too sweet and hug, and they leave. And it's like, it was 20 minutes of that, and no one cared. Everyone doesn't need to always do that. And when you're going to do that, make it for a good reason. Don't make people have issues with each other that are not relatable. I talked about this before on here, and I don't want to go into it too much again, but there's a difference between relatable and and unrelatable villain. Magneto's a relatable villain. Again, there's a man who had to see the Holocaust, and now he doesn't want another Holocaust, so he's on mutant side. Because, God forbid, now that they have giant robots that come after his kind, and he's already experienced one Holocaust, he doesn't want there to be another. So even though you don't agree, since you're a human and obviously don't want this to happen, you can see where this old man who lived through some old school PTSD type shit would use his magnetic powers to not have to deal with mutant kind being exclaimed, especially since he's seen collars and master mold and all kinds of shit used to try to do it already. Sympathetic villain, as opposed to like Hannibal Lecter just eating somebody, where it's like, damn, I don't like him. He just eats humans. He's a fucker. You know what I mean? Maybe not the best analogy because some people there's personality and intellect involved with that character. But you get the point. You got heels in this and they become heels just for the sake of it. We're going to talk later on about that happening on Raw and how childish they are on there. Remind me when we get to that. But uh, Oh, I won't let you forget. Yeah, especially if I'm being this hard on AEW, right? But yeah, I did like the film, the, 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 the very cool music that they combined them with. Um, Pillman goes for a cross body during the commercial break. This is the reason why I watched the Fight TV version because they shoot a little bit more on that. And then Tony calls him Flying Brian. Uh, you know, I thought that was really cool and says Shades of His Father. But you know what? Yeah. How about on TNT? Say, call him Flying Brian. Is there a reason? Sometimes I hear cool stuff during the, during the break because I'm not getting the picture in picture. I'm getting the full thing, the full two hours. And it's like, yeah, especially JR, they like, I like some of the shooting there. They, they might be onto something with the commercial breaks when they sound more like a podcast and they'll say things like working snug and stiff and uh, heel and shit and almost like not caring. It almost adds to it, especially coming from Jim Ross. I know some people don't like that. Cornell will be rolling in his, um, I guess, his podcast. Ah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, Shaq in the coldest angle in wrestling because they did not do this good. Jay Cargill does nothing for this angle. Nobody likes her. She looks awkward. But anyway, in the coldest angle in wrestling, Shaq has now challenged Cody Rhodes, I believe, right? Is this what happened? Shaq challenged Cody Rhodes to a match. Whoopee. I believe I have the thing here. I think it happened on the show anyway, but uh, I have the isolated 
clip here for you guys. Before we go to that, Cody Rhodes, you little punk. You want a battle? You just name the time and the date. I'll be there. You little punk with your little blonde hair. Look like a little girl. You want some of the Shack Attack? Name the place. Matter of fact, let's do it in March. How about that? And, uh, Damn, he looked a little girl. It was former girls. You can't say that kind of shit nowadays. This is the you know what the bad part about it is, though? <laughs> and this was my first thought when I watched this. What's that? How many years did they see? Did we have the tease and Shaq and Big Show? And in the span of a month, they already made more progress? Yeah, I guess. But that, that, that was, that was first, never written in stone, though. That was my first though. thought. I was like, wait a minute. What? You telling me all this time they just did it? You know, teased it forever and never gave it to us? Maybe they realize how dry Shaq is. Because not for nothing, he looks completely uninvested. And it makes me uninvested. They almost don't seem like they know what they want the angle to be. And unfor- it's weird because... uh. Essentially, what winds up happening here is uh, Shaq calls out Cody Rose during AEW. What was the AEW Awards? What the fuck is that? They they reference AEW Awards that I guess happen on YouTube only that they never advertised or did anything with. Like, if you're going to have awards, where where was this fucking plugged? I heard them plug it here and there. <sighs> anyway, so Cody shoots this promo in the ring about how he can't have the mix matched anymore. And then Arn basically talks about how January 29th, 1985 was the day that Cody... Uh, basically cody's dad fought tully blanchard for 30 minutes and then got on a plane and fly, fly across the country just in time to see the birth of his baby boy and this chokes up cody um i got emotional too until i contemplated it for a minute and thought he asked him does january 29th 1985 mean anything to you and cody said no um before the story but that the end of that story makes it the day he was born so it should have been his birthday. He should have said my birthday. I, I guess it's because maybe Cody didn't know that story or hadn't heard. But that he knows story his birthday. He didn't ask him, "Did you know the story?" He asked, "Did you know the day?" If that's the day that he went there to see if he was born, thank you for the like on the stream, Joe Michelle. You know. Anyway, I don't know. I, I could almost. I, I saw it as like using, yeah, like you know that was the day you were born, day you were born, but. Then telling that dusty story, I guess, to kind of light a fire or something, I guess. Maybe our format makes me analyze these things a little bit too much. Anyway. You know what I'm going to lie? Just a little bit, but not. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes just a little bit, but then again, that's what I'm here for. (laughs) Yeah. So then uh, here we go again. Going back to what I talk about with um, a few things happen. So we get a good God. There was a lot of different shit. This is a very busy show. Not that I'm really looking at it. But anyway, so Arn Anderson basically talks about that thing. Uh, that chokes up Cody. And then they introduce Red Velvet as the replacement for uh, Brandy. Which, by the way, when she talks on the mic, she's Dominican, I'm assuming. She's not a, she's not, she's not black. She sounds Dominican, yeah, just based on the way yeah, she, she speaks. She has some, something. I can't remember. Though. Anyway, out. it's weird because it's like thank god that brandy is in cody's partner for this because it'll be a pay-per-view but i mean brandy makes a better storyline but it's like the execution wouldn't have been as good but then this is literally like from nowhere like we don't really know much about red velvet we don't really care we're uninvested shaq's uninvested cargill's uninvested it's just complete it's a complete wash i hate to say it already uh we find out the wedding of penelope and kip at beach break next week is going to be going down who the fuck makes a show called Beach Break in February, which is the coldest month of the whole year? I'm a little bit confused. Why would they have Beach Break? Just because they have a beach out there, we don't. The most this is the, considered February the coldest month. I don't know. I woke up on some Christmas days and it's been 75 degrees, but no, I'm kidding. But <laughs> you know, you would say something like that for the summer. You know what I mean? It's just it's, sometimes it feels like they just have an excuse just to they're just doing an excuse to to have things going on here. 
God, I have to keep going back between files because of different things I want to show you guys. I'm jumping back into a dynamite thing here for a minute. Give me a sec, guys. Hang with me. I've become good at navigating, though, so we're fine there. Anyway, so the other thing that happened was Adam Page against Ryan Nemeth, right? Yeah, Dolph Ziggler's brother. Exactly. Dolph Ziggler's brother. probably actually has his own gimmick. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to get him on the screen because I know you guys. No, he doesn't have his own gimmick. What are you talking about? Are you kidding me? This dude has Dolph Ziggler's gimmick. He came out in Dolph Ziggler's shorts. He does the gyration of the hips. When he gets oh, them in the God. lock on the ground, he does the handstand. He does the fucking oh, elbows. Oh, Everything. Oh, he literally was Dolph fucking Ziggler when he was out there. What gimmick? Oh, he, he's, Dolph Ziggler steals everyone else's. He steals the generic Dolph Ziggler gimmick. His gimmick is he stole his brother's gimmick. He stole his brother's gimmick. Oh. Out here. This is actually what happened. He's a big Dolph Ziggler. He it's he wrestles just exception. like him. You know, he keeps the the like the style of everything that he does. Go back and watch. He has Dolph Ziggler spots. It's obviously it's deliberate, but he's not trying to be a different thing. He definitely wants it to be known that he's Ziggler's brother with everything that he does. And that motherfucker you know? got a buckshot from hell for his troubles. But we knew Ziggler's brother because he was in wasn't he in NXT at one point or something? He was somewhere. He was somewhere. I don't know if it was NXT though. Yeah. So then we go back to what I'm talking about, the problem with this company. Matt Hardy's out there, and it's another recruitment storyline. Once again, this is Adam Page, and now someone else trying to recruit him. Like, we just did this. You know what I mean? Like, the last thing that we need is to do that again. There's no reason to, to recycle the same shit over and over for people. You know, like, I wouldn't, if we weren't doing this program, I wouldn't tolerate it after a while, man, because it just feels like you could just watch recaps and uh, be okay. But anyway, this is what happens here. I'll link you guys in the chat. All right, guys, so uh, what happened after the match? I don't know if you saw it or not, but Matt Hardy was leaving, and Hangman Adam Page called him back. So we wanted to see what it, what in the world's going on here. I, I didn't want to create any kind of scene. The reason I came out here tonight, Adam, was to be in your corner and let you know that I support you. I mean, I've been watching you the last couple of months, and I'm going to be honest, I've been concerned. I mean, you just, you seem lost and conflicted, and that's understandable, because I was with you at the Stadium Stampede, and I know how much love you have had for the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. And those three men, they burnt you, and you didn't deserve that. You didn't deserve that at all. And almost every single day, the, the dark order, they're, they're asking you to join. And it's just, it's awkward. And, it, and it, you become even more conflicted. And Adam, I do not want anything from you. I do not want anything. But I want you to know that you're a good person and you deserve to be happy. I needed to say that and you needed to hear it. Look, I, I've seen where you're dressing now. You're dressing by yourself in the hallway this adjacent to catering. I have a huge dressing room and there's plenty of space. You're more than welcome to dress there. No strings attached, Adam. Yeah, don't miss yourself. I, I think you should take him up on that. Well, I, tell him, Tony. Made a very I love that he had to play out there with a big money Matt Hardy here tonight. Yeah. Adam Page. What, what is it, that link I gave you? What was the screenshot? Remember they zoom in because they always put something funny with the graphic of Adam Page. What was it they put on the bottom recently? Oh, yeah. You sent me that whole living fuck. Oh. I forgot the exact wording. Hold on. Give me a minute. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. It's accompanied by crippling emotional baggage. That's so fucked up being accompanied by <laughs> emotionally crippling baggage. That's fucked. 
week. It's my favorite part of Dynamite. They always have something in his graphic, right? He used to say does cowboy shit. They always mess with the poor guy. It's always funny. That's a bad part. Like Jungle Boy has a match against Dax Hardwood. Finish being Jungle Boy with the snap, snap, snare tap, which is basically a cross face. And then uh, afterwards, they hit Luchasaurus in the face with some powder who's at ringside. They drive him into a pole, slingshot, suplex, spiked pile driver. Um, really fuck him up. They cut the horns off his Luchasaurus mask. Um, and then we cut to, uh, then they go to cut Jungle Boy's hair, but Marco stunt an SCU and top flight all run on. They come in for the save. Yeah, uh, um, Dax says he went on on, on Twitter to really pray to praise Jungle Boy and how good of a job he has done. He's done right. Team Taz does their best imitation of the NWO during that outside takeover. They even pulled dart, dart one of the luchas, I believe, into the fucking wall the same way they did uh, Rey Mysterio doing that. They literally did an imitation <laughs> yeah. of that. And then the funny thing is that Penta, by the way, Penta's not back yet. The Penta that you guys keep seeing getting fucked up is somebody else, it's visible by his body. He's not as big as Penta, but they just have a fake Penta there. I don't know if you guys realize that. Yeah, I noticed that, and I was like, that's not Pentagon. Nope, they just put somebody else in the clothes. He's probably, is he COVID or overseas or what? I'm not sure what it is. But that is where it benefits his uh, appearance, the fact that that's actually possible. Oh, boy. Well, hopefully he's back soon. Britt Baker versus Shanna, which I believe we saw this girl on AEW Dark a few times, the Goku girl with the orange attire and stuff. Um, Oh, yeah. She, yeah. I haven't seen her in a while, but yeah. She's... Yeah. Finished Britt with the lock, lock jaw afterwards. They pick the bones. Then the Rosa running, chases them off. Uh, Bullet Club promo. Bully Club promo. Bootleg Club promo. Call it what you will. Gallus and Anderson, uh, did their, they did that. I thought it was funny the way that, uh, we have, uh, the announcer who now does the John Moxley instead of John Cena. And then Gallus <laughs> and Anderson took their old raw gimmick because they're like, we're going to do our favorite thing. We're going to beat up John Moxley. Instead oh of John God. Cena. I, I lost my shit when I It's so convenient that their top guy's a different John. They could just do all the John shit here that they're doing over there. So good for them there. They could just do all the John shit. Eight man tag match. Bullet Club versus Dark Order. Uh, the finish is uh, Melsa Driver on John Silver. Uh, Matt essentially, Matt, Matt announces that essentially whoever wins this, Matt Jackson, whoever wins this is going to get a tag match against them i believe at beach break is it yeah uh, beach break but they're in the match too and if they win then they get to pick who they want to wrestle at the pay-per-view i believe and then ray phoenix uh is out there and he winds up double drop kicking the bucks um but they wind up hitting him with the magic killer after the match and then john moxley comes out there um may is this what you were talking about yesterday when i talked about the dick first thing and you said ray phoenix with a crazy dive he happen. hit that suicide dive and almost landed perfectly on that guardrail. I didn't know if that's what, because that's not what I was referencing when I said that Luchas like to go dick first with <laughs> no sacrifice. I wasn't even thinking about that. But uh, let me see. I think I have the spot here for that fucking, these these guys. <laughs> I man. couldn't believe it would happen. Like, that's what made it so funny. I don't need that level of entertainment. You know? I had not long seen it. And then you watch, and I was like, did he fucking watch it too? I think it was here because it was right at the end. Let me see. That's Gallows to the outside. And now Ray Phoenix. Oh my God. God, boy. Check your balls, bro. Check your balls. Omega charges in. Actually, let's put that there because I thought that was a cool finish. Like, that was a nice baby face finish there. You know, watch this shit. I thought this was. Nice. Omega! Nope. I love that you saw that shit. Omega got planted by John Moxley. (laughs) 
ran right into it. High speed Death Rider. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Really cool stuff. So Beach Break will be this upcoming Wednesday. You get the tag team Royal Rumble, or I'm sorry, tag team Battle Royale. You get Kip Saban and Penelope Ford's wedding. We know weddings and wrestling, those always go really great. Uh, Britt Baker finally versus Thunder Rosa because despite her dismay, it was put on the graphic. That makes it official. Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers are up against John Moxley, Phoenix, and Pac. Apparently, Penta will not be back yet. Two of two out of three death tri- triangle there with Moxley. So interesting, AEW. You know, it has some progressive stuff along pretty well. Uh, this brings us to NXT, which we had the uh, the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic 2021 quarterfinal match of Drake Maverick and Killian Dane against MSK, Nash Carter, and Wes Lee, formerly uh, the Rascals, right? Also, to break in from it, Trey Miguel went back to Impact. Why? I don't know. What are you doing, dude? And his buddies, and his buddies wound up over here in the fucking Dusty Classic? Your buddies are in the Dusty Classic, and you went to Impact. Mm, he, he James stormed himself, huh? Sometimes it's just about God. the location, the the convenience, I guess. Some people record. Uh, I, hope, I hope that's true. That better be the fucking reason. Finish here is the blockbuster spinebuster combo on Maverick. Uh, yeah, that's one of uh, the coolest moves, I think, in their entire arsenal. It's when um one will go from for a, basically a standing moonsault, and the other will push them a little bit to the side. It's hilarious that Drake Maverick and uh, Killian Dane, they added like a metal part to their music. Did you catch that? <laughs> like they have metal in the fucking whistling. Like it switches from the from the whistling to some sort of a metal theme. Let me see if I could pop that on for a minute. It's so funny. It scared the shit out of me. I was like, well, what? Yeah, definitely different. Let's see if we get it on here. These guys come out first. Where Where the hell is their intro at? It was this week, right? Yeah, it was this past week. Let me see if I could get it. From Sunday, we take over the WWE Network, but tonight, an unusual alliance is formed. The- I feel like they're already in the ring in the beginning of this one. And it's all about the Dusty Cup. Welcome to NXT. Oh, yes. Oh, it happens right in the beginning, I guess. Back to the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Introducing first, the team of Drake Maverick and Killian Oh, man, I love the way he, <laughs> he looked at like, what the, like, uh, why did he get upset? He tried to make it better. He's looking at it like, wait a minute, but you left, he like, you left the whistling in? That's awesome. That's, that's like the best shit since head cheese. They keep upgrading it. <laughs> I like those two together. They're funny. Yeah. You got that, uh, that guy. Kurt Lone Star Stallion, who they gave him an interview, right? Is it just yeah. me, or he does his best Matt, Matthew McConaughey? Like, that's I Matthew that McConaughey. Look at, look at this shit. You ever drive 19 hours straight one way by yourself? I can't say that I have. It's like fucking Matthew McConaughey. I have more times than I care to recollect. Do you know why I did that? It's 3 a.m. I'm making towns, West Texas. To- anyway. You ever seen that that um, Seth MacFarlane's Carvelade of cartoon comedy when he has fucking Matthew we McConaughey watched that shit one day. on the boat and the guy eats him and he's like, oh, my body, my body, my soul, my butt. <laughs> he reminds me of the Matthew McConaughey, the Seth, Seth MacFarlane fucking portrayal <laughs> of that guy. 
Anyway, I just thought it was funny when I saw that. Women's Dusty Road Tag Team Classic 2021 final first round match of Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez against Aliyah and Jesse Camilla with Robert Stone. Uh, Jesse Camilla, new addition to the Robert Stone brand here. Uh, I have to say, Aliyah looks better and better every time I see her. I've been saying it for months now. Keep your yeah. eye on Aliyah. Remember how that started off? She looks really good, dude. Once they broke her away from fucking Vanessa Bourne, she started really shining. For- her ring awareness is all there. They must be excited as fuck. They keep that one under the hood. But yeah, Lee has come a long way. There's an example of someone through developmental that didn't come from an indie. That uh, that that person you got to see them actually benefit from the training. I, I appreciate that with Leah. So good job there, man. Yeah. But unfortunately, it was in vain because poor Camilla got single arm power bomb straight to hell for the win. Yes, she did. That brings us to our singles match of Tyler Russ with Malcolm Bivens accompanying him against Dante Rios with the finish being he does a move similar to the SOS into like a butterfly hold for the submission. I forgot Tyler um, Tyler Russ, by the way, also wanted to note he was in the RH Pure Tournament that we covered. Remember? That was one of the guys yeah. that got defeated by by one of the, the Jonathan Gresham. Not Jonathan Gresham, the other guy that's with Gresham. This in that stable of pure guys. He he was with those dudes, man. That's how come Tyler Rust is yeah. so good. Yeah, he was with uh, the foundation. Right, right. It's late, but yeah, exactly. Uh, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic 2021 quarterfinal match of Kushida and Leon Ruff against the Grizzled Young Veterans, James Drake and Zab Gibson with the uh, finish being the ticket to mayhem on Leon Ruff. And then afterwards, Gargano, in theory, they want to beating up Kushida and Leon Ruff. This causes that. It's funny because they do this thing where, where Austin Theory is at ringside and, and Loomis is behind. He suddenly emerges from the shadows and he like scares me, doesn't realize he's there. And uh, he winds up choking out Ruff. Um, well, he went releasing him while he's choking out Ruff. And then uh, they wind up hitting a Doomsday device on Kushida. But they hit the good Doomsday device. I got to give Kushida credit. He took the actual LOD Doomsday device. They have this shitty WWE Doomsday device that when people take it, the person who's on the bottom who has you in the electric chair, they fall back with you. That's not the Doomsday device. I mean, I'm sure it's wonderful for the person taking it because they don't have to know how to take the Doomsday device. But when you want to see like this is the Doomsday device here. Uh, with the way Kushida takes the bump. Tag. You don't need an octopus hole when you're Zach Gibson. Just smack him in the throat. Gibson hoisting up The guy on the, in, in the electric chair is not supposed to move. That's what makes it devastating. Boom. There you go. You see that? That's the fucking doomsday device. Too many times I see it with a guy on the bottom. He just takes the backdrop with him. No. You're supposed to flip off of his shoulders. I know it sucks. I've seen, I've seen Kyoto take that bump. Chill. You could take it. Uh, anyway. Kurt Stallion winds up clutching his leg backstage. He got eaten by that cannibal, the same one who ate Matthew McConaughey. No, I'm kidding. He's clutching his leg backstage um, because he got taken out. But you know what? This goes back to angles. It happens in NXT too often, man. I'm kind of sick of it where they just show a guy backstage or in the parking lot clutching his fucking leg. That happens too often. You know what? They've been using that in that format so much that back when I used to watch FCW, that happened to Leaki when before he was Roman Reigns. And he came back and then he said he knew who did it to him. And we never found out who because they because they became the shield and they just abandoned that angle. That's how often they've been using that form of a guy getting his leg again. I was curious with his. You know what the sad part about this when I watch that angle? You know what that made me think of? What's that? Remember the angle they did with Raven on Sunday Night Heat? Barely. Where where they had the masterpiece that was going to be eventually revealed and it never got revealed. I hate when shit like that happens. We never found out who the GTV. Right. You know. Never found that shit. We could find out who the fucking anonymous general manager is, but no Raymond's masterpiece. Yeah. But Regal's pissed because he be- he believes that the, uh, the what are they called again? Legatus, the Phantasma people. Yeah. 
that they're the ones who did it. They look guilty as fuck. And what is that? He picks up like a tarot card or something? Yeah, something like that. Some kind of card. Phantasma picks up a fan, and they're like, ha ha ha. They just kind of walk off like it doesn't mean anything. Like, no, it's just kind Wait of Wait a weird. minute. Wait a minute. It just hit me. What? Because there's an angle, go- there's something going on in NXT UK. Jordan Devlin is still called Cruiserweight Champion. What does that have to do with a fucking tarot card? That wasn't no tarot card. That was an ace. Oh, see, so Jordan they, Devlin. Yeah, they're they're going to finally, it looks like they're building to finally get these two to go at it so we can have an undisputed cruiserweight champion. Oh, very observant. Good catch. Because, because that's that's why that's why they had that whole tournament. Because when the pandemic happened, Jordan couldn't Devlin couldn't come over anymore. Very cool. I right, well missed that literally solve, man. just hit <laughs> Yeah, see that's why I love doing this pro. I think this is the best like I said before, I love our, our version of, of everything better than any and the six have doing it because everything is, is like I love the information flow. Uh I don't understand. Sometimes y'all have seen me piece shit together in real time, okay? Yeah. Tony Storm calls out Io Shirai. Out comes Io Shirai, which a brawl ensues, and Shirai comes, Shirai comes out on top, drop kicks Tony out of the ring, but then Mercedes Martinez shows up with the Farouk spine buster on Io. Um, the two heels are fighting over the title, and this causes Shirai to then come recovering from the top with a drop kick, taking out Martinez with it. Um, double knees against her, but then when she goes for her moonsault, Storm recovers enough to pull her down, um, drives her into the apron. Hits her with the Uso corner hip attacks, essentially taking her out of the equation there. And it's actually already been announced. We have our first takeover match set because it's going to be a three-way for the NXT Women's Championship. Shirai, Storm, and Martinez. Mm-hmm. That was a good lead into that. So looking forward to seeing it. Every, all those girls can work. That's going to be really fun. Uh, we have a singles match of Bronson Reed against Isaiah Swerve Scott with the finish being Bronson Reed going over to Tsunami. Um that being said, I do like that stomp effect that uh, even though people joke about Kevin Dunn, I do like that stomp effect they added to his his uh, intro. I know it's a small thing, yeah. but uh, since they're going for like the giant man thing, I like the fact that he does that, you know, like he basically and he works it very well. Yeah. yeah, he looks really cool doing it. Um, there's this nasty bump. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Sorry about this guy. 104. It's right around here. Is this the bump that I'm looking at? Look at a body shot. Pump kick under the jaw. Green rock all the way down to the floor. Watch this shit. Watch this shit. Swerve Scott right back. Right after. Watch Scott, Scott taking it to Reed. This is the exact game plan that Scott wanted. All that pent up aggression starting to fire out of his body. <laughs> for Scott. Yeah, those apron bumps lately. Those fucking apron bumps lately. Ain't nobody scared of that apron no more. Yeah, and listen, Bronson Reed doesn't need a middle rope dive. The fuck are they doing? Come on. Anyway. It was safe in the Carmellas. Non-title tag team match. This is actually for the Dusty Road Classic, right? Danny Burch and Oni Larkin against Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly? Or is it oh, just a non-title? See. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. This one was just not title. Okay, got it. Finished being Kaido's Kyle tapping out Birch with the heel hook. Then afterwards, Pete Dunn and the heels wind up attacking the faces, and Dunn winds up snapping uh, Finn's finger, fingers before the Undisputed Era can get out there. Uh, they're sort so of teasing. Is Finn, is, is Finn going to become part of the Undisputed Era? Because it's almost like they're teasing. No, um, it, it's really more of Finn being smart enough to realize that hey, there's what like three, four of them. I yeah. might as well have an ally to save my own ass. Yeah. It, it, it's like it's an it's an alliance. It, it's kind of the whole enemy of my enemy is my friend thing. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, that being said, 
uh, AEW Dynamite did 734,000 viewers with a point twenty nine in the 18 to 49 demographic versus NXT 720,000 viewers with a point twenty one in the 18 to 19 demographic. That is close, close. They almost caught you, AEW. Was it was caught. They almost caught you, and it's because it's that those numbers look like people jumped over from AEW to NXT. There's there's a fourteen thousand difference between the two. That's very very slim. There, there, I don't know if there's reasons. I don't want to start looking into what was airing where, but I'm just saying that for the first time that NXT jumped up to AEW numbers. Their numbers. This is practically a tie, even though AEW technically wins. And I'm telling you guys, man, is there's just a saturation of the. The, the the Wednesday thing isn't the greatest thing, but AEW, people are starting to... The honeymoon phase is over, man. NXT has better shit going on right now. I'm not going to go into the 205 Live because it is late. As you guys know, 205 Live, during the Dusty Rhodes um, tournament, is not 205 Live. It's literally um, a couple more matches of the NXT. They give you two more dusters. That's why we cover it every week, but... uh. Not this week because getting a little late. I'll cover it next week along with the uh, the other NXT. Like we have a pay per view or something in between there. I just want to get to Raw so we could wrap up here. Which uh, before we do, I'll bring up the last week's Raw brought in a uh, one point eight hundred nineteen million viewers. So I think, believe that was down. Uh, as far as this Raw went, you started with a Drew McIntyre promo, uh, and out comes Edge. And Edge basically, he marks out a little to him. He's like, I remember watching you and you were my hero. And he's like, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, like, I'm your biggest threat. You know, I could, you know, face you for the Royal Rumble. And then Sheamus comes out and we get a Sheamus heel turn. Like, first he comes out and he's like, what's his problem with me? Like, you know, when he's basically telling him, like, Edge sees the writing on the wall. He sees the Sheamus heel turn. And then after the break, Sheamus just, just basically, first of all, he bro kicks him out of nowhere. Right. And then after the break, Seamus just goes, everybody talks about me being Drew McIntyre's friend. Well, he's not my friend anymore. Wait, did he steal your carton of milk? What the fuck? That was the fucking reasoning. First of all, if you're going to do a heel turn, a smart heel waits until an important moment. You guys just blew being able to make Drew McIntyre look strong and lose the title. That's what I thought that was put in place for. I this entire time thought at some point, when they want to give the title to someone else, but keep Drew strong for a return, he'll lose. But it'll be because Sheamus bro kicked him and that all along the friend that he had turned on him. If he wants to take some time off, that also gives him a great spot there. It gives him a return feud against Sheamus when he comes back. You transition the title to somebody else. There's shit to look forward to. And it makes sense why Sheamus used that opportunity to turn heel. Bro kicking him at the end of a raw promo that means nothing is fucking stupid. And if his motivation at the end was that he wants the title, then why did you do that? Why did you waste your fucking opportunity? You, you're supposed to scheme and be evil. This is lazy writing. We don't deserve, you know, I hate to sound like that, but we don't deserve that kind of lazy fucking writing. The only good thing about it was Edge being there. Thank God Edge is here. He's the only positive thing in the show. But even the angle he's in, poorly written and put together. Uh, Especially because word from what I've been hearing, <laughs> the only reason he was here was to be part was to be part of that heel turn because I've been hearing they might call it in the air. He might just go for Roman. <sighs> and at this point, let's be real. Roman would get him off the show with this shit hanging on it. But the heel turn gets heat when the heel cost the baby face something at an important time. Someone like Sheamus, especially when he can break that bro kick out of nowhere. You save that for that because people who are who like Drew McIntyre, they're going to be pissed off. You know what I mean? The only reason he lost the title was because of the bro kick. But unfortunately for us, 
they want Sheamus to have a title shot. You don't even have to make it where that's the definitive thing because you might want the champion, let's say that it was Edge or someone, you might want the champion to still look good going into it. Make it where the bro kick happens to a false finish, close two count. But then, you know, he's dazed afterwards where it's like he still shows signs, he still, his head's look cloudy, he holds, he favors his head, he sells a little bit. You know, that way it leaves that interpretation. You always have to wonder if that bro kick early in the match came into thing. You leave it fucking open. Not just I bro kicked him because he's not my friend anymore. But we say it's like we expect any more from them anymore. We should. At this point, we should. They're not writing for children anymore. There's no longer an excuse. They're writing for the Thunderdome. How many kids do you see in that? The bad part is I refuse to expect any more from them because they'll disappoint me every time. Yeah. Well. I just take less disappointment and just expect stupid shit. So this was supposed to be, next thing was supposed to be Lashley versus Riddle for the U.S. title. Um, but Lashley winds up having Riddle in the full Nelson in the ropes and refuses to relinquish the hold. And then he just throws his body off the apron after the official call for the bell. Um... He goes outside and continues to hurt Locke. He was like, you know what, man? There was like five minutes worth of hurt Locke and him reapplying it and throwing him around and reapplying, throwing him around and tossing him over the barricade. And in storyline, not for nothing, but as many people as this guy has been nice to Riddle, you would think someone would have come out to help the guy. Fuck the baby faces on Raw. Because the guy's been nothing but nice to everyone around him, whether you like him or not. And whenever he sees anybody else in trouble, I've noticed he helps them. Anytime someone's come after somebody, he's come out there and kicked them and hit them with the knee, including the Hurt Business guys. He's helped Jeff. He's helped everyone. Anytime anyone's had an issue, he's fucking saved them. Bro. He's in the Hurt Lock for half the show. Nobody be found. And the fucking guy gets jumped and not a single human being who he saved in this past week has a moment for Matt Riddle who's been doing nothing but putting people over in promos, hanging out with them backstage, trying to incorporate their fucking gimmicks with his and then saving them whenever they get jumped because there's no other fucking baby faces around and they let him get jumped too. I would turn heel if they did that shit to me. I wouldn't even turn heel. I'd just be a face that just starts fucking up everybody. He was out there for like five minutes worth of fucking time, but fuck Matt Riddle. It seems like the whole point is to make him look weak, but still, the logic of no one being out there, we're like no one, no one. Anyway, Orton has another promo. Orton doesn't know where the fuck he, where he's coming and going because now he, apparently he's furious at Edge for not being dead, apparently, is what I got from this whole thing. And time. where, what happened to the Burns? Yeah. He's more furious what at Edge for not being dead. Serious cocoa butter, holy shit. He's more furious about Edge for not being dead than he is at, the, at, at, at Alexa for using fiend fire on him. Because that logic makes so much sense. Yeah. Mustafa Ali has a match against Xavier Woods with Finch being Woods covers Ali and then... uh. And then basically Kofi winds up uh, fending off the goons, you know? Yay. Miz TV with Bad Bunny. Once again, he's back. They apologize for ruining his shit. And then they're waiting on apologize for ruining their Royal Rumble slots, which they do not give. They, he just called them unique people, special people or whatever. Damian Priest is the reason he's out there because that's the friend of his that he wanted to get onto Miz TV. Who walks right up and punches them. This leads to a match after the break of Miz versus Damian Priest. Um, basically, Bad Bunny winds up snatching the briefcase that Morrison was going to give to Miz to use during the match. This distraction causes Morrison um, to to basically hit, get hit with the mic at ringside by Bad Bunny. And in the ring, Priest uses the reckoning on Miz to go over in his debut match. Good man. Uh, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander go over to Lucha House Party with the tag team title defense. There's miscommunication like there is in every fucking team nowadays, but they still manage to pull it together. Is the theme they put there. Uh, Carlito, he's actually here still. He has a match. Apparently, they offered him a job backstage as a producer. So he's going to be sticking around, uh, if assuming he takes it. But Carlito and Jeff Hardy, speaking of the baby faces against Elias and Riker, with the finish being Jeff Hardy going over with the Swanton. Uh, Oscar and Charlotte, and who was it? This was like a six-man women's tag team match. Yeah, it was Oscar and Charlotte versus 
uh, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke versus Lana and Naomi. Right, right. Three corner. And, and the then winner like, gets a tag title shot. Yeah, and Ric Flair did the distraction thing in there again, right? But you know what the part, you know what the part that pissed me off the most about this? What's that? And this is this is this is where I got into it last night, where it's like it's starting to become annoying. They did a backstage interview with Charlotte right before, and Charlotte was like, "I'm focused on this match and getting our tag titles back." Then don't look up the goddamn ramp. You know he's gonna come out. Yeah. You know Lacey's gonna come out. But why? Why? What's Lacey's point of interference? She's not in the tag team. She is not like Charlotte. Charlotte and Oscar doing. Fur, their, it's just the first. It's just the further the Charlotte feud that nobody asked for. But that's the thing, though. Charlotte and Oscar are going for the tag titles. Lacey has no reason. It doesn't even benefit her anymore to interfere in these matches because there's nothing in it for her unless she had a tag partner was part of this. She literally can go off and do a story with with Flair and maybe come back to this later. It just, I just find that whole thing dumb the way it's being handled there. But again, maybe I'm being do picky. Do the same here. wash, rinse, and repeat. With this. Too much oversaturation, uh, and to make Charlotte look stupid, we can do it every week. Let's forget about it for a little bit. Uh, reunion of best friends here because Alexa Bliss versus Nikki Cross. This has a lot of transforming in it, which I'm getting tired of the outfits, that, the hard cuts with the transforming uh, to have her go over. I don't mind them doing certain things, but it gets excessive when you have the different outfit changes. Like if this is Lightning in Final Fantasy Thirteen Three, don't bother with it. Like it's it's just a little bit too much. Let's have some regular matches here. Uh, Orton versus Edge. This is to end that feud finally. Uh, the finish. And it's funny because when Alexa Bliss is done going over, she's going up the ramp and like Orton crosses her and the two of them don't really acknowledge each other. It's kind of like two ships crossing at night or whatever. But it's nonetheless... It more looked like she looked at him, but Orton just didn't even pay attention. She almost took it a little personal. Well, he better start paying attention because Orton versus Edge happens next. And in the finish of this, Alexa Bliss appears at the top of the ramp as the doll version and she's bleeding out of her mouth. It shocks Orton just enough to get speared by Edge with Edge going over. Yeah, I love the fact that one of the stories of this match was Edge wrestling this match after going an hour in the Rumble 24 hours earlier. Yeah, and uh, I guess that'll leave Orton to do other things. Orton comes off too much, too cartoony lately, you know? Like, it's it's like his promos are a little bit, and it's like he's just too much. This I'm not enjoying the heel Orton that they're giving us here now. You know, it's a weird heel, Orton. Like, so it's now Alexa's the baby face in her story with him, or the Fiend is the baby face in the story, selective. I don't even know anymore. Me neither. I just know that it's still snowing in New York. It started snowing before the Rumble, and it's been snowing for two days. I've heard it's supposed to possibly snow tonight going into tomorrow, so. Yeah, so that's heavy. So we're pretty much snowed and buckled down here. Um, so if you're part of this community and you're watching us on Twitch or on Facebook, stay tuned because on a nightly basis, we usually stream extra content and it may not be wrestling, but we stream other stuff. And, you know, people are welcome to come in the channel. We can still talk wrestling or about whatever you want. It's a good time while we're gaming. If you want to catch up on anything that we didn't cover, uh, that all happens there. And especially now that we're completely snowed in and there's not an actual choice, we'll probably be here more. I'm gone after this until probably tomorrow night. Um, latest wednesday but just in case if anybody wants to do anything we do a lot of stuff we play with the community a lot of the free games the game pass games if you have an idea you can always hit destin and myself up uh and arrange some sort of events we're open to just about anything as we do a bit of restructuring for the other nights so as long as it's not that one zombie game we played that one time as long as it's not that one zombie game we played that one time uh we did we ever even do a write it down on this one we didn't really have a write it down i got Um, like one what was that uh who's next acme's next 
Oh, I had one better. I was kind of going to yank from Tonga. I was thinking all click, no bang. Because yes, it kind of, there it's, it is. That's it's, the it's suitable for him at the Bullet Club. And it's also suitable for uh, the fact that uh, we have Taker talking about guns versus Rain saying that we don't need them. So there, there's the theme of tonight's episode. Uh, fantastic. Good stuff. We got through most of the program. Kept a little extra meat for next week. Uh, don't forget to tune in for the other extra content. That being said, thank you to every single person who's hung out late, you nocturnal creatures just like us. You know, it's a lot different now. Nowadays, because of the pandemic and everything, it's a lot more accepted to be as nocturnal as we've been for the past six years doing this. That being said, chat room. Six Slayer, EB Gamer, Wooly V2, Stasis Dreams, Cooler Ice, Clyde Nice Guy 24, George with the Z, Umar, Lee Moss, Hassan Raza, MD Her... Haridi Boy, uh, Shabir Hussein, Matir Rahman, Sugar Shane, Jill Michelle, I'm Abdullah, Weekly Planet, Izinically, uh, and also all of you that have of course been listening for years on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Podcast Added, Google Podcasts, TalkBrunch.com, Twitch, Facebook, and all of the other platforms. See you later this week. Enjoy the snow. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Talk Brunch Live, episode 435, hosted by your host, Rick Dara, a.k.a. Captain Brunch, for myself and co-host Destin Soglow Frazier. We're out of here. Goodbye with a click and good night with a bet. Shut it down.